Around Comics, Episode 49. Chicago, this is Around Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the co-host of Around Comics, Mr. Brian Salazar. Yes, it's me. I'm back. And our resident voice of reason, the Around Comics regular, Mr. Tom Caters. I got a bad case of the Vegas throat. <laughs> the Vegas throat? So what happens is... You know, you're out there and you perform every night, and then the desert, it's dry. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, Elvis. Yeah. At least you don't Gatorade. have a bad case of the whiskey, dude. The whiskey. <laughs> oh, oh, Hello to everyone out there. We'll be talking with our guest, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, in just a couple minutes. But first, I'd like to let everyone know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by Tomorrow's Publishing. Tomorrow's Publishing is bringing new life to comics fandom with magazines such as The Jack Kirby Collector, Back Issue, and Alter Ego. And how-to mags like Draw, Right Now, and our newest edition, Rough Stuff, celebrating the art of creating comics. Learn all facets of comics history from our comprehensive line of companion books, focusing on your favorite comics of all time. And don't miss the top-selling Modern Masters series, spotlighting the lives and careers of Bruce Tim, Arthur Adams, John Byrne, Mike Waringo, and others. Ask for them at your local comic shop or visit www.tomorrows.com to learn more. Thank Those you. they put out fantastic. They're they, companion they books. They have a All Star companion for the JSA, and they have a Justice League <coughs> companion. I have both of them, and they're great. They have a Superman one, which is the, the only awesome. thing. The only the only thing about their books is that they're so packed with stuff. They're oh, so it'll dense. take you forever. Yeah, to they're, read through those books. They're, they're, they're de- I have one. Uh, um, I think it was a back issue, or no, it was Comic Artist, and uh, it was Howard Chankin, and it's like. A twelve-page interview with Howard Chankin, um, like everything you could possibly imagine yeah. you'd want to know about the guy, and just and, and then all these other great articles. But I really like the Right Now books and the Draw. Oh, I, um, are alter, great alter Ego books. and Back Issue are two that I always get. But I just picked up the the Rough Stuff, yeah. and if you are an artist or an art fan and want to see just the pencil versions of stuff. Absolutely freaking amazing! So, anything, it's worth your it, money if they oh. have if they do a book about something you like, you will not. Be, if you like Superman, pick up the Krypton Companion. You will not be disappointed in any way. Yeah, I mean that's tomorrow. Tom Cater's seal of approval. Right. <laughs> well, everyone uh, around comics is recorded every Friday from seven to nine at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at forty eight thirty five Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, I'm please a little dis- drop by. disappointed. Nobody showed up today. Yeah. This is like the first time in weeks. We no, we had, had a, we had a few people drop by. Oh, earlier. did we? Did yeah. they just not no, yeah, pay yeah. attention? Yeah, Mike Yusko was here, and Matt oh, Yusko is always here. <coughs> <laughs> and, and Matt owns the place. What is, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, a few people bumping around. So, and then the night is young. Don't ruin the. It's not over yet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, speaking of uh, of Dark Tower, Cameron Dark Diaz Tower. was here earlier. But <laughs> yeah. One of dancing Nano. girls. Dark Tower, Word Balloon, and Around Comics are proud to announce the Chicago Minicon on October 14th. That's this Saturday, Can folks. we really call it a Minicon anymore? There's like 1,200 people 
I'm not going to call it the MaxiCon. That's stupid. <laughs> like the, yeah. <laughs> Just a con. Chicago. The Chicago Let's con. call it Wizard World Chicago. <laughs> two. With two Zs. <laughs> From 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, we will welcome some of Chicagoland's best and brightest for a signing at Dark Tower. You can meet Bill Reinhold, Francesco, Mike Oliveri, Dave Wachter, Mike Huddleston, Scott Johnson, Jason Malay, Rafael Nieves, Andrew Peepoy, Tom Kelly, Len Cody, Doug Clava, Aaron Shapps, Mike Beasley, Jim McKern, Tim Seeley, Scotty Young, Greg Titus, and more. Jesus Christ. I, it's like every day he comes to me, hey, we got so-and-so to come to the con. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like... Good God, I just stood in line for a sketch from him at Wizard World. What the hell, you know. You won't have to stand in line. That's right. That's right. Mark your calendar and come into Dark Tower on October 14th for signing sketches, door prizes, um, a huge sale, right, Mark? Huge sale? Gigantic. Gigantic, Gigantic <laughs> sale. <laughs> They're calling it the Leviathan That's sale. Big. The Levi- door prizes <laughs> and be witness to, yes, the live recording of our 50th episode. Woo! Are we going to keep it under three hours? That is, if this doesn't, if this show doesn't go, you know, four hours long, and we have to cut it into two, like last week, I had to actually no, you we'll know, be fine. Rename the the, the whole damn show just so fun. we didn't fuck up the fiftieth episode. If but we it's weren't a, it's so a, good at interviewing people, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> High five! Yeah, hey, woo! <laughs> it's all you, Tom. All right, September contest. It's all over. It's all over. Yeah, we have yes. a winner. Yeah. Paper it wasn't cut. me. Dan, Dan Papercut. Dan he won. He Surprise. tenacity yeah. pays off. He proved that he's the biggest geek that we know. He right. knows more. Much about the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> he knows much, the most about mid '90s Spider-Man questions. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have? We don't have a new contest yet, do we? We're working, uh, we're working, we're working, on, working on, on one. That's we're working very, on very, very cool. cool. Yeah, but it's gonna be. We don't know when we're going to be able to announce it, but it'll be a quick one. You'll be able to. You I know. tell you what, let's announce it on, during our fiftieth episode. Wow! All right, Show there up. we go. All right, so uh, Dan, pa- paper cut on the forum. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. What, really, what did he win? Re- um, yeah, Mark, are What's you re- are you ready pack? to when send his prize pack out? dollars worth of. What, what, well, how many? How many quarters? Twenty five dollars. <laughs> that is a uh, hundred. Hundred. Uh, a lot. A lot of quarter. Well, there aren't that many good ones. I already picked them over. Wonder Woman, a bunch of a bunch of um, issues of Wonder Woman. So th- yes, Mark is is furiously putting together putting together your prize pack. Uh, the hotline one eight 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 six five G cast. Call us. Leave a message. And like my radio voice, I'm working on that. I'm going to talk like this from now on. And actually, uh, here's uh, we actually have like five hotlines, but we're going to play one now, and then the other ones at the end of the show. So here's our first that. one. This is from uh, Chip Week Rocker on the Chip. forum. Oh jeez, uh, oh. Chip, Chip in Rockford. Wacky. No. <laughs> Hello, uh, Chris, Sal, and Tom. This is uh, Chip Week Rocker on the forums. I'm just calling to uh, say I've been enjoying the show a lot lately. And uh, also really to remind Sal that I want my my frickin' uh, preacher sketch that you promised me that you're never gonna do. Wow. Obviously, <laughs> uh, because yeah. Anyways, I couldn't. I just <laughs> don't understand. I could get a free mouse card sketch from David Peterson, but yeah, <laughs> for some reason I cannot get a free preacher sketch from Sal. I feel awful. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. It's like American Splendor number three. We just got like a preview. <laughs> I do owe him a preacher's guy. I told because he 
and I don't I don't I'm not a good artist. I don't know why he wants a sketch he for is, me. No, he, it's like know. asking me to do a sketch. Well, no, you're better than I am. It's like um, it's not much better. And Chip I'm, is such a nice guy. Come on. Oh, I I'm gonna do it. I just it, I. It's embarrassing. I'm not an it's artist. Not, I'm not going to... His problem isn't that he is like, I can't be bothered to do the sketch for him. It's that he has to give it to someone so it has to match a certain expectation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to send him a crappy sketch, so now I have to sit down and like actually try and make it good, which is, I don't really have the ability to do. He's changed his level of expectation. He now expects you never to do it. So if you give him anything... anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was my plan. Just lightbox it. Do a oh, Greg Land. I'll do a Greg Land. There we go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Nice. Tom, as, as, <laughs> as Vince B. I want to remind everyone, uh, the, for the full Around Comics experience, you need to go to the website and find Brian Bowles' absolutely fantastic webcomic, Long Box of Love. He custom uh, creates these for every episode, and each one is, is didn't great. You did send me for this one. Uh, I think he's working on it. Oh. He had some great ideas, so it, it should be should be right. The Greg Araka one was awesome. Yeah, and, and Greg liked it. Greg liked, he liked it also. That so so you should funny. too. Yes, uh, Frapper uh, Sal. We've got uh, people going. Oh yeah, we have more Frapper Frapper people from got, all uh, over the world. From all over mm. the goddamn world. Well, just to give you a taste, some of our newest Frapper peoples: uh, Matt, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. In case you were wondering where Toronto is. Um... <laughs> Jordan in Jernigan, Osceola. 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 Is that Arkansas? Yes. Uh, David Green, Worcester. Worcester? Worcester. 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 Oh, David Green in Worcester, England. Worcester. Um, Mr. Beefhead, Mr. Aurora. Beefhead in Aurora, Colorado. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Beefhead. Uh, Lee. Whittlebank. Whittlebank? Wine? Winebank. How do you know that? I'm guessing. Oh, Better Ports- than you. Portsmouth, England. Mm-hmm. Stephanie. Stephanie McRae, Austin, McCree. Texas. <laughs> Dominic Harmon, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. We're huge in Victoria, Melbourne. We are so going to Victoria, Australia We're going to have year. to. Tour stop. I just imagine that all the women there look like the girl from Chip Lost. Chip in Rockford. But I don't know if that's right. He should just come and see We crockered in the and, and that's Chip. He can stay at my apartment. Quan uh, in Bangkok. Hey, Quan. I mean, it's good to see we're making headway in a non-English-speaking country. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if they know what we're saying. I'm calling it anyone in Africa, join the Frapper, because... Africa. You know, hey, we need another continent. We're like playing... Uh, it's a <laughs> risk, round comic risk. risk. We, yeah. I want... We had a Tokyo. <laughs> a we had a Tokyo last week. Antarctica to... Um, what? Sign up for Frapper. We have people yelling at us that you can't hear. <laughs> Which is why I just said stuff like, I want someone in South We're Africa. big in England, and we're big in Australia so <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah, Victoria, Australia. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty impressive. That's Sydney. pretty wild that somebody in Australia knows my in fake Texas. radio name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fake radio. <laughs> All right, everyone, please spread the Around Comics love. We have a new flyer for the Listener LCS Challenge. Actually, our uh, um, co-host, producer, webmaster extraordinaire, Brian Salazar, designed a new ad in Flyer for us, and it's great. So check that out. Uh, you can uh, also uh, vote for us at Podcast Alley or leave us an iTunes music review. I actually was... You know, we had some a, really good ones you, you know, Tom, the funny thing about Chris is you talk to him like he's a normal human being, yet he doesn't... And he acts like he listens... 
But then he ignores everything you talk to him about. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like we had this big discussion the other day about we were going to move because our intros have become so I've long. We were going to move a bunch of the announcements to the to the after the the main yeah. interview before the news. And yet here I am listening to every fucking announcement that he does every I, other I week. I went real quick though. No, you didn't. It's been 12 Here's minutes now. Thing. Just like last week. You guys, two shut up. Guys, let's talk, about, let's talk about all the announcements. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to the interview. Let's just really... I have one other announcement. One other announcement. Um, no, you don't get yes. any more announcements. Yes. Your announcement no, it's, a, it's a big... It's an important what? announcement. What? Go meet you at fucking 24-hour comic book day? And no, but I will be there tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, that would have been an awesome segue. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Too bad that wasn't No, but a big congratulations to not one, but two of our podcasting brethren, Indie Spinner Rack and the Crankcast Podcast, celebrated their first year anniversaries in the last uh, week. So, congratulations to both those guys. Cheers, gentlemen. Yes. Welcome, well to, welcome to a Thank life you. of no life. Thank you for wasting that much of your time. Yes. And for anyone that listens to us that doesn't listen to Indie Spinner Rack or Crankcast, shame on you. <clears throat> they're, they're great casts. Go check them out. All right, but, guys. But not at the expense of listening to us. Yes, but no, never. never. You should no. listen to our show twice. Listen it's to them you after us. listen to anyone else's. <laughs> All right, guys. Drink the Kool-Aid. Crossing, crossing genres and... One of us. Sure. Crossing genres and spinning great tales to become trademarks of the writing team of Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Whether it's gunfights in the Old West, superhero stories from a different perspective, or funky 70s-like action romps, there's something for just about every comic fan in their work. Around Comics welcomes Jimmy Palmiotti to the roundtable. How you doing? Good, good, good. How's New York? Are you in New York? Uh, New York's a little uh, cold and windy tonight, but uh, I'll change all that by going to Florida tomorrow morning. Oh, nice. Oh, lucky son of a bitch. Oh, the jet set comic book lifestyle. (laughs) Jet setting from New York to Tampa. Yes, the rock and roll comic book lifestyle. Paris the next day. Well, we were supposed to have your your partner on uh, tonight also, Justin, but he couldn't make it. He he had some previous commitments, and uh, some relatives came into town, I think, so he he couldn't join us, but... Um, I think we'd like to get to know uh, you and, and, and certainly get to know how you guys started this partnership uh, together. Well, um, uh, Justin was our intern at Marvel Knights when Joe Katsada and I were uh, were changing that company around for, for a couple of years. We were, <laughs> uh, Justin was one of our interns, and uh, we became good friends. And when he left there, we, we stayed friends. And, and um, while, he was working, while he was working for us, he, he kind of was one of those guys that every day he came in with another pitch. Like, you know what I would do with Black Panther? You know what I would do with pretty much what you guys do on a Friday night? <laughs> but, he would, but he would, like, make sure I heard it every day. And um, uh, eventually when I left Marvel Knights, I started getting uh, offers to, to, you know, write some books. And I figured, well, the guy's brilliant. Let me just, let me see if he feels like working with me. And, and uh, we, uh, we had it, the ex-editor-in-chief, Bob Harris, get a job at Wildstorm editing three books, and we pitched him two of them. We pitched 21 Down and The Resistance, and he, he liked both of them. And uh, we kind of got lucky, and we started working together from there. And, like, we're best friends, so it's really easy. Like, we'll get together, and we'll just, you know, work a whole afternoon, and then we'll grab something to eat and hang out. And it's it, it's it's uh, like anything in life. If you have somebody else to, to do it with, it becomes less work-like, you know. Um, but he's a brilliant guy. I mean... You know, I, I definitely am a world traveler, but he's like a very worldly guy. 
Like he's done every kind of job in, in the world. Um, he's also an excellent. He's a chef, and uh, he's also uh, castrated bulls. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he's he's worked on a, you know uh, on a farm, and uh, he's also uh, done for dinosaur bones. And you know the guy's done everything. He's just, and um, it, it's really good to work with somebody who pretty much knows a little bit about everything. So, did he ever prove any of this, or do you think it was just BS? Well, I haven't seen him digging for bones lately. Uh, let's see. Um, do you have the yeah, actual... You know, the chef thing, he's always cooking. So, I, I know his wife, you know, the, I know he cooks and she comes home from her regular job. And uh, he, he loves to cook, so... And he definitely has his comments when something doesn't taste well. He really hasn't proven much to me except for the skill, uh, the writing skills. And basically, that's all I care about. I could care if he can cook. I still want to go out and eat. You know, I, the last thing I want to sit is in a kitchen and have Justin cook for me. I just can't think of anything more bizarre or weird. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's just uh, knowing him. It just and 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 myself, uh, it, it would be a, a very strange picture. Next, he'd want to draw you a bath. <laughs> yeah, next it would be bad. Then it would be a massage. Oh, I have this pain in my shoulder. Next thing you know, I'll be biting pillow and you know, changing my name. <laughs> well, um, you know, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you guys have done quite a bit of work together now, and and is it is what's that process like as far as you know? Do you sit down and both work on you know separate parts of a script? Do you plot and he fills in dialogue? What, what's the process like of, of co-writing the books? Um, for, for us, we, we pretty much, we get together, and we look at what we have to cover for the day. So um, the other day we had uh, two things we had to cover. One was an, an issue of, uh, I think it was uh, the second issue of Terra, and then we had to uh, also work on, um, we're, we're working on an animated cartoon. I can't announce it yet, but we're writing nine episodes of something for Nickelodeon. Cool. And we looked at what we had to do, and then we're like, okay, let's grab the first one, and we just talk over. We just sit there and talk over what do we need to get done in this issue? How do we need to begin it? How do we end it? Um, what things do we need to get to the readers so they understand so they're not lost? And then when, once we have a good, pretty good uh, grasp of it, he, uh, most of the time he'll sit down at the computer because I, I can't sit still. And um, and we'll just dictate, we'll just talk out loud each page, break down of each page. And we'll either argue it or we'll, we'll both be in sync or we'll both have a perspective. And... When you work together, you eventually, you know, you have to be able, you have to be humble. You have to recognize when something's better than your idea. And we're both really good at that. We're both, we have no real, we have no real egos. Um, anybody that met us can tell you that. We don't, we really have no egos for anything. Um, obviously you can tell by the way Wizard covers us every, every month. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's a joke. We haven't been in Wizard yet. I was going to say, you've been, in, you've been in the top ten how many months in a row now? Number 11 since 1976. <laughs> no, I'm, um, no we, we've never had a feature done on us, ever. So, you know, um, but you can read the uh, ninth or the hundredth Jeff Loeb story every month. Uh, we we kind of like we kind of lay low and work, you know. I think there's a time when you want to go out there and make a lot of noise. We rather the work make the noise. Well, you you might end up point. writing Wizard at some point. You're writing so much stuff. No, I'm just, just jealous, writing. you know. They keep calling Jeff Loeb and not us. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Well, you know, there there are some definite success stories in the stuff that you guys have done. Jonah Hex is kind of a book that just appeared out there. And it's kind of become, it's beyond a cult hit, and it definitely has a following now, and I don't know if that was expected. Well, you know, he's a great character. Jonah Hex is the coolest character. 
I grew up with the character, and and um, I've always loved it. And you know, we we kind of you know we look. This is we kind of broke our curse because we haven't done any book past twelve issues. Like any series started any series past twelve. Like Monolith went to twelve. Twenty one down went to twelve. You know what I mean? So when thirteen of Jonah Hex hits, we're gonna go out drinking because. <laughs> It's, it's the first time we've had that happen, and, and I think just I think this is a case where we actually gave the people exactly what they wanted, and and um, and we and we got lucky. And again, the time was right, and um, you know, you know, the Civil War books and all these big crossovers are great, but you know, we're the only book that really has the original Civil War featured, <laughs> you know. And and we're actually coming out on time, so that's got to count for something. There you go. I, <laughs> but I think people really like the character, and you know, we all grew up, or we grew up with like Dirty Harry, and you know, these kind of the, the Western, the cool Clinties with Dirty Harry, kind of you know, the anti-hero stuff, and and I, I just think that uh, you know, where the Punisher sometimes gets a little repetitive, I guess, because the the uh, backdrop. Is a, is some place we actually live, you know, like the cities or the towns and everything. I think Jonah Hex, you know, the Western kind of opens up the imagination a little bit more, and I, I just, I hope the numbers stay, you know, where they are. We, we're always trying to get them up a little bit because they kind of go down tiny bit each month, and we don't think it's for lack of people looking for it. I just think it's retailers have to order other books more. Do you think that with the trade coming out that you're going to get a new uh, a new influx of readers that may be held off for the trade? I, I hope so. I mean, we've been you know we've been monitoring it on uh, on Amazon and some of the booksellers and Publishers Weekly gave us like a fantastic review. So I have to hope that like out of that, like the the hundred thousand people that get Publishers Weekly, I'm hoping like at least three people went out and bought it. You know, and that's all you can hope for is like a couple, you know, but word of mouth is everything in this business. And, and again, it's the retailers that have to get behind us. You know, it's, it's the fans can ask for it. And well, if they don't see the book, they won't. It's not in their face, you know, so things sell out. They underorder it, whatever it may be. But we have a study around 20 something thousand people. And we're hoping to get it up a little bit with the uh, Jordy Brene three parter. It's our first multi part story. Mm-hmm. That brings me to a question about the decision to make each issue a standalone story. Um, what what brought you to that decision to do that? Well, it, it came out of, you know, it, a lot of it comes out of frustration, too, because um, I, I don't like to spend a lot of money on comics, you know? I, like, I buy everything. I buy music, video games, everything. So I, I'm not a big fan of nine-part stories or getting a comic, and it's so deconstructed that I feel like I've read it in two minutes. And Justin and I are both on the same boat. It's like, there's no reason why you can't tell a full story in 22 pages. It's it's really... I mean, if you look at Scrubs on TV, that's 22 minutes, and there's like nine storylines running through it. You know, and there's no reason we can't do that with comics. So when we, we got Hex, we figured this is the best place to do it, because people are used to reading the one, one-off stories in Hex in the 70s, Let's try it again and see how it's received. And, you know, 90% of the feedback has been great. 10% of the people say they want a bigger story, they want more going on. So we do get people complaining, but, you know, you try to give... The, this three-parter will, will uh, make them happy. But at the same time, the way we wrote the three-parter, it actually begins and ends each issue. 
Well, so we kind of, we we kind of tried to be as clever as we could with it. I just finished reading the trade and I really enjoyed it. And I wouldn't consider myself someone who was very excited about a Western book. And I was just curious as to whether going into writing a book like that is. Are you conscious of the fact that a lot of comic book fans will accept sort of cliches within superheroes, but if you tell them it's a Western or a war book, people kind of roll their eyes a little bit? To win them over, it's like anything. I'm sure Deadwood, when they first pitched it on HBO, everybody was going, oh, come on, nobody, everybody knows Westerns. Nobody watches Westerns, you know? Um, you're going to always get that. Um, and I'm too much of an idiot to know when to stop, so I'll, I'll keep pushing ahead. Uh, when we got, first got the gig, I said, you know, we need to research this beyond, uh, above and beyond, because we're both New Yorkers somewhat, and <laughs> writing about the Old West, and everyone's going to be looking for us to screw up on this one, you know? Everyone's going to go, oh, these guys can't write it, you got to get, you know, this guy who lives with his uh, sister, you know, somewhere, you know, well, you know what I mean, we had to get authentic cowboys to write this or whatever, so we, we kind of had a lot to prove on this, on this book, and... We kind of handled it a little different than the other books. I mean, nothing we're writing is the same. You know, Daughters of the Dragon and Hex and Terra and Friday the 13th, you, they couldn't be further apart as far as genre and the way we're approaching it, including free, Freedom Fighters as well, you know. Um, so it's a risky thing, and you're always going to have people. Look, some people, a lot of people, I'm sure, have not read the book yet. Um, the best thing I can do is tell them they can pick up any issue and if they like it, great. If they don't, then, you know, put it back on the rack. I should read it in the comic store. I don't care. The well, first two it, pages, uh, like, of the first scene where, uh, of the first issue where it's just all the money floating around and the two guys facing each other, and I was, like, cooked right away. I was just like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And it kind yeah, of blew my expectations. Yeah, and he kid <laughs> yeah. at the end of the book. Um, you know, it's really funny because somebody reviewed the uh, first issue, um, online, and they, like, made, like, eight comments against the book. They ripped a, a new hole, and they made these comments about the book, and I wrote the guy a letter, because I usually don't bother, but I said, can you do me a favor and go back and actually read the book this time? <laughs> because the things you said that didn't happen, they're there between the panels. You just have to fill them in. You have to actually read the book. So you read Sal's review. It wasn't my <laughs> review. By the way, Sal, thanks for that. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to actually write a review of the trade because I, I, I really liked it. Um, well, thank you. I, you know, it's funny because when that when the book first came out, I didn't pick it up. And it wasn't – I had never read Jonah Hex before. My only impression of the character – was from the Hex series back in whatever it Olden was. Olden days. No, no, well, it wasn't that long ago, but when he was in... the future? Well, yeah, when he's, like, in, oh, yeah. in space or whatever, you know, he's yeah. in the future. And, and that, yeah, that's sort of like, you know, the, the, the weird cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you but, don't want to bring out to your friends, you know? He's up in the attic. Do you think that had any effect on, on the book at all? Because, like I said, I didn't even realize it was a Western until later on after the series had been out a little while. Yeah, um, well, I, I guess, Sal, I mean, uh, I'm going to have to guess at your age now. I'm guessing. I'm guessing you're probably like in your early 30s or late 20s. Mid mid 30s. I'm 35. 35. Okay, so yeah, you were there. You were buying comics when the last issues, when the sci-fi hex was coming out. Um, you know, it's funny because we originally pitched the series with Mark Texera, who drew that mm -hmm. uh, the sci-fi series, and he got the job. But um, a week into the book, he said, "If there's any way we can not write too many stories with horses in it." <laughs> he would appreciate it because he can't draw horses. 
And um, he just walks everywhere. I swear to God. And I just went, Mark, are you, are you kidding me? It's a western. And he's like, no, I, I don't like drawing horses. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be doing this book. <laughs> so whenever he went to Ghost Rider, did he say, you know, as long as there's no motorcycles, I'm cool? Right. Well, you see, most Ghost Rider he's fine with. Yeah, just as long as there's no skulls or even flaming skulls. Would be fine. But, um, no, you know, we're always going to have somebody that, that didn't read it or didn't pick it up or they heard the good reviews and wanted to but never did. And, you know, and again, it's hard. Like, I, I know I can't buy certain books on issue five. Well, even I'll tell you the truth. Even issue two, if I miss, if I miss the first issue, I'm like, ugh, you know, the hell with this series. Or, or like I just did with Heroes on TV, I missed the first episode and the second one was on. I'm like, nah, I, I guess I'll watch it one day on uh, DVD. So I understand that thinking, but I think in, you know, in the way, hopefully someday a, a copy falls in their lap and they read it. Really, what can you do besides just make noise about it and get? pretty good reviews on it. You really can't do anything, and there's so many comics out. It's just, you know, it's boggling. Every Wednesday you go on that Twitter, there's hundreds of new books. Right, yeah. It's you know, I, I don't really know how to get people to buy your stuff except write a giant civil war on it or something, you know. <laughs> and it's well, always funny because we, um, we make fun of, you know, like the really popular books, but that's what people want. Well, people, people tend to make fun of the thing they want the most. Sure. Well, it was really funny because I love DC's marketing promotion for Jonah Hex. It is straight out of Civil War, Jonah Hex. And, yeah. You know, it's, and I yeah. thought that well, was... We, cool. we ran into that because we, we actually, uh, the guys at DC thought of that because some guy on um, was posting on one of the comic sites, and, you know, after his, um, after his uh, comments, he, he put a little banner, and it said, Jonah Hex, the original Civil War. And we were all laughing at that, and then that's where they came up with the idea. So some fan inspired that. And, you know, look, even if it gets the copies, even if it gets another thousand copies out there, that's great. And for us, that's great. We're not a book that DC expects to sell tons. They just expect it to stay at a healthy number so we can keep going. And the deal's really good. I mean, Dan DiDio literally said, you know, as long as I'm here, I'm going to try to keep this book out. I'm Ed Brubaker, and when I'm not killing Foggy Nelson... I like to accidentally delete off my desktop the Around Comics podcast. Well, you've kind of, I mean, you and Justin, Justin have had a bit of a history of, of sort of smaller, really good books that have had a hard time finding, you know, getting in people's hands. I mean, from The Resistance to 21 Down to Twilight Experiment, which I thought was a great book. Really like that. Um, oh, thanks. Is there... Well, that's three guys that read Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's... What is it about, you know... Those books, even though they were in Wildstorm, and you know your names are obviously known now, but why is it that we have such a hard time getting uh, good quality I, I books? Think it, has, it, it has a lot to do with a couple of things. Number one, what does Jimmy Palmiotti do? Well, he's an inker. Right. Okay, so right away, you know, my years of inking, people forgot that. Um, well, you know, we did event comics and created a bunch of characters. We did Marvel Knights. You know, it's sort of like preconceptions of things. You know, because Justin's coming out of left field. You know, no, nobody really knew who he was. But I had a name ready, but they didn't even know what the hell. I confuse people. <laughs> and um, But I, I firmly believe, and you guys, I, I'm sure you back me up on this, when you do something in life, you should try to do a lot of things, not just one thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I guess because... I don't know why, like, we're not, we're not, we, like, we have to go out and do our own press. Like, 21 Down, 
for me, is still one of my, and Monolith. I mean, Monolith is one of my favorite books that I've written, and I still think it stands up. It, I think we just didn't give the people what they want with the books. I think we just kept writing what we thought was cool. You know, um, even when we got on Hawkman, you know, we just kind of said, you know, we're going to do what we think it should be. And I think, you know, eventually either they catch on or they don't. And believe me, a lot of stuff didn't, you know. But the word it canceled usually means, okay, it didn't. Um, <laughs> but we're too stupid to kind of stop that lesson. and just get on like a Batman <laughs> or an X-Men, you know. Well, I, one of the things that you guys do, you, you don't seem to flinch at genre hopping. And you'll go from westerns to superheroes to, you know, action, you know, straight out, you know, 70s action stuff. It, it, it's really interesting. You know, you can, I can imagine a writing team that would say, okay, we're good at crime noir. That's what we're going to write. But to have a right. writing team that jumps around so many genres, how do you guys manage that? Well, you know, we're, we're huge, like, like any comic book fan, we're huge movie buffs. We read to the point of exhaustion. I mean, I literally had to uh, donate like 11,000 books to the Board of Ed recently. You know, we read like like crazy people, and um, we consume. And I, I think, you know, it's so funny how most of the top 100 books are superhero books, but the genre books are hardly there, and nobody was offering us any of the superhero stuff. You know, um, we we kept pitching all these bizarre things. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, at one point, like, DC was like, we need, like, a Hulk-type character. And we came up with a monolith. And I think by the fifth issue, they were like, what the hell is this book? <laughs> you know, they were like, it's not the Hulk. And I'm like, well, no, you see, there's a little bit of depression era in New York involved with, and there's this Jewish girl and a junkie that used to be a hooker. And, you know, and all of a sudden, it became something else. But I think in a way, for any writer, I think anybody who wants to do it, they're like, you just have to do what you, you enjoy. You, write, you kind of try to write what you enjoy. I enjoy the genre stuff. And it's funny, because Justin and I just stuck by our guns with so much. I mean, look, we put out a book called Cloudburst um, through Image that literally sold like 3,000 copies. You know, it was a sci-fi book, total sci-fi about about these guys that stole this weather thing that can, can change planets and make them, you know, like, like Earth, you know, uh, terra firmis type stuff. And, um, you know what, I guess the, 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 the thing is, I, I don't, there's so many great comic book writers. There's so many superhero writers like Mark Wade, Jeff Johns, uh, you know, Jeff Loeb. Uh, all these guys are really, really great at superheroes. And then, you got like the Warren Ellis's and the Goths and that are good at their quirky stuff, you know, and I, I just felt like, where do we fit in? You know, where are we going to fit in? And, and we don't know. So we started pitching, you know, stuff that nobody was doing, like Westerns or even something like Daughters of the Dragon. It was just like, oh, we can do that. You know, we can do throw in a little Kill Bill, get, you know, re, like shake out the 70s clothing and then, like, make it modern day at the same time, you know? So I, I think I think you just experiment and see what sticks. We're not afraid to fail miserably, and that's what it comes down to. Thank you, thank you by the way, for Bloodhaven. But we're not, you know, <laughs> Bloodhaven, our bestseller, was also our least favorite book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it doesn't, it, it really, our, our careers are just pretty much like, well, let's just keep working. Let's not worry about where, they, where it lays or how it sells. Let's just keep working to the point where they boot us off and get onto something else. And genre stuff is infinitely more interesting to write. 
I think, than, than being another X-Men guy. To writing another story. Hey, I got this great Wolverine story. Oh, really? You know? oh, okay. <laughs> well, Tom got excited for a no, second. Okay. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, actually, we did we did do Claws, so what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, aren't you doing a Wolverine book right now? Um, one of the things I'm, I, I'm kind of excited about is I see a lot more in comics. There seems to be a trend, at least from what I can see, towards there being more openness towards genres. Even a company like DC is putting out a book like Tales of the Unexpected and they're doing yeah. in space. And there seems to be just, a, it seems to be moving a little bit towards where people are o- are opening up to the idea of genre books. I, I hope so, but you know, do you notice when they do that though, it's always about existing titles? Like if we launched a Western that wasn't Jonah Hex, like, like Brian Azzarello's. Yeah, Loveless. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right, Loveless. I mean, if it wasn't in the Vertigo realm, it would be a hard sell for any company to keep it going. I mean, Loveless does well. Granted, we, we both, like, Loveless and, and Hex came out of, out of the ranch at the same time, and we're both supporting each other. But it's hard to sell anything new. And genre stuff, they have to make it mystery in space, or they have to make it this and that, because to just come out with something brand new, it's tough. It's really, really 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 tough it's, you know it's, it's interesting uh criminal came out this week which is uh ed brubaker's and sean phillips new crime noir book and i don't know if you call it noir just their crime book and we had someone on our forum post that they weren't going to pick it up because they're already they're already buying three other crime books and so i was like oh wow you know that genre is actually starting to get a lot of play in comics which i like because yeah. i like crime books yeah well i think it's i think it's great i think you know what we, we've been overwhelmed with so many things in the world right now that we do have to pick and choose our favorites. I don't think anybody anymore should buy any one company because and buy everything they do. You know, I think those days are way, way over. Um, and, and the genre stuff, you know what I like about the genre stuff? The, the genre stuff, you can get, like, extremely violent or sexy or over the top or crazy. Um, you know, if I wish, I wish one day they'll let us write comics where we can actually include a CD with the soundtrack, because both Jess and I hear music while we're writing this stuff, you know? Um, I just think that, I just think that, uh, even in movies, you look where Tarantino's going with Grindhouse and, uh, you know, Kill, even Kill Bill and all that stuff. It seems like the genre stuff is just becoming a little more respectable. Um, and we got a lot of good guys to thank for that, you know? Um... And we're just, you know, like I said, we, we both feel like we're just starting out, Justin and I, in, in a way, with our stuff. And, um, again, we still haven't had that big hit yet, you know? Well, I think with a lot of the genre stuff, I mean, it, for me personally, like 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't that many comics, period, that yeah. I could get that excited about. But this past week, I bought, like, 13 books from all different types of publishers and everything. This was one of the better weeks I can remember for comic books where I was like, wow, every single thing I read was actually really good. And it had a crime yeah. book, and it had... A war book. A war book. And oh, there was yeah, two yeah. books about shrinking superheroes that were actually... You know, <laughs> like, there's all this stuff that uh, I think for a long time, people, we kind of lost a little bit. And I, this week, yeah. I was just kind of struck by how much... I was like, wow, there's all this stuff out there, and it's all really good, and it was really... And, and why do we want it so much? Because we have been put through the mill with Civil War and Crisis and this and that. We've seen the superheroes beat each other up a million times. We've seen the crossover where, and where everything is going crazy, and then at the end, 
all of a sudden there's a guy that goes, well, we'll bring it all back to the way it was before. And those 90 books you just read mean nothing. Yeah. You know, we've seen this kind of stuff done in reboots and, and stuff many, 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 many times. So a genre book might offer you something new. Um, you know, personally, I mean, like, Daughters of the Dragon, people loved it, but boy, it did not sell. It was, you know? a, it was a big hit in our shop. Actually, uh, Mark, our, our manager here at Dark Tower, uh, said, you've got to pick up this book. And so it was it was pushed in this store. But, uh, well, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, and we're hoping the trade book gets picked up. Like I said, mm-hmm. on Amazon, I checked the numbers and stuff. But when it came out, I mean, I literally had people say, you know, yeah, it just doesn't sell. You know, Marvel was like, you know, we'll, we'll keep it going until you finish it. But, but uh, you know, you got to come up with something else, and Heroes for Hire was something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's funny how... Also, things happen, and then people go back and buy it. Like, I think the trade will do better than the comic ever did. Did Marvel... I didn't look in the first issue of Heroes for Hire, which I, I liked, by the way, but did Marvel put uh, any sort of ad in there? It's like, you like this, go back and buy uh, Daughters of the Dragon trade paperback now available. <laughs> no, let's see. I have the book right here. Let's see what the ads are inside it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an feeling, um, Well, there's a, there's a thing for... There's a car, there's a Dodge... Ed with the Hulk holding a, holding a car. Yeah, I've seen that one a few times. Do you know the um, Rush City one? I don't think they did. You know, I I, um, I probably have been told not to talk about Daughters of the Dragon while talking heroes, talking about Heroes for Hire because, really? you know, what, what they looked at Daughters as was something that didn't work. And, you know, Heroes is looking being looked at as something that does work. Um, well, they, know, need, they need to figure out the difference. Heroes for Hire comes out of the gate being one of the Civil War crossover books. Well, I, they they need to figure out the difference between doesn't work and overlooked. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what's that Warren Ellis book that, that, um, that really great one? It's, it's a Marvel book. Uh, Next Wave? Next Wave? What's that? Next, Next wave? wave? Yeah, Next Wave. See, I think that's brilliant, that book. Oh, it's oh, I, I laugh out loud every time I, I, I get an issue <laughs> with that. But I, I also hear, oh, it's not selling, and this and that, and I'm just like, how can it not sell? It's Warren Ellis. And then I realize, well, it doesn't matter who the people are on some of these books. Mm-hmm. It's just that Fantastic Four will always sell. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man will always sell. X-Men will always sell. It's the odd ones that have to work a lot harder, well, I think, to uh, to get to get their fans. Now, Heroes for Hire, you know, it, it started out at 90000 It's down to sixty or seventy, but... I'm really curious to see where issue four, five, and six goes. You know, no Civil War tie-in. Yeah. You know, because that's where the book will level out on. And again, it's another genre book. We're writing that like a genre book. We're writing it like like just insane. You know, we we have people getting beheaded, and there's lot, there's a lot of crazy stuff coming. And uh, even when we signed the exclusive to DC, we ha- we we still had eight issues. Well, I know how to get those numbers up real quick. Just put Iron Fist and Luke Cage in it, and. You'll be there. You go. <laughs> uh, what do I have to do? <laughs> Put uh, Luke, Luke Cage and Iron Fist in it. Oh God! <laughs> just, you know, just kidding. They wouldn't let us use them. Uh, <laughs> I think they're all spoken for now. I think uh, Bendis has uh, Luke Cage and. Uh, uh, Brew Baker and Matt Fraction put their uh, put their claim on Iron Fist, and you got Misty Knight and Colleen. Isn't it isn't it funny how every other book those characters can be guest stars in it? <laughs> <laughs> is is it just me? That's a little paradise. Iron uh, Fist was in Doctor Strange this year. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know that that sounds like a porno movie, by the way you just described. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange invited Iron Fist over. Here. <laughs> well, you know, what we tried to do with the heroes is um, besides making Misty and Colleen like the, the main characters. We really tried to give Humbug his uh, 
Love humbug. in the universe. <laughs> well, you talk about... So, uh, although there is some crazy stuff happening with it, with, with, um, in, the, in the sixth and seventh issue. But, you know, this is a book, again, that nobody... You know, we thought nobody was watching it. <laughs> so we were kind of writing crazy stuff in it. Um, and it, it really caught us off guard that it actually sold. We, got, we never expected this in a million years. Well, I'll tell you what, I picked it up because, uh, like I said, Mark here had, had kept telling me I had, to, I had to read Daughters of the Dragon. And, I, and initially I'm like, well, I don't know if that I'm really interested in Daughters of the Dragon. I don't really care about those characters and whatever. I wasn't really interested. Then I picked it up finally after, after it was complete. Um, I picked up all the individual issues and read it, and I absolutely loved it. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to get Heroes for Hire then from there. And I think maybe that had something to do with it because it, it, I, I, I did absolutely love Daughters of the Dragon. That was a, a fun, just a great book. I love the the interaction between those two characters. And talk about a book that really should have a soundtrack because the whole time I was reading it, it was like I just listened to Superfly while I was reading. It. Yeah, it was like it was like a, it was like a great you know, like, man. Heroes for Hire. I mean, uh, Daughters of the Dragon for us was like our pitch. Like, hey, do you need a, like a, a, on NBC? Do you need a a one hour? comic book based TV show uh-huh. then you should do Daughters of the Dragon like that was our pitch for a TV you know like this can really work because you really don't need a big budget you just need you know two hot girls and some madness going on and you know um, we still believe that I'm still I'm still set, I'm going to be sending the trade out to, to a, a, a channel just to get them interested not that I would get a dime from it but I just like the idea that I, I think uh-huh. I think you know instead of another show where there's a crime, and then they actually find clues and solve it. Um, I think we need some other stuff on TV. Sure, and I love the bail bond aspect of it. it was so fun. It's yeah, like CSI you know, I, comic I, I, shop. I gotta tell you, I watched this show the other night called The Nine. Yeah. Don't and, spoil it you know, for me. I just taped that. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> was it any okay, good? I don't want to ruin it for you, but I thought it stunk. Oh, uh, oh well. It wouldn't be the first time a show sucked. I, I, I just, I was so disappointed. The critics are raving. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, they're raving idiots. If they, you know, I, I, I was so disappointed, and and you know, I, I like Lost. I'm one of those guys. I love anything where I don't know what's coming. I do like Medium because it's well written. Um, but I also saw uh, CSI, which is the one in Miami. Miami. CSI yeah. Miami. Is it called? That yes. was one of the worst Very shows I've ever watched. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Did I, you see it? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what, my parents love it. You know why? <laughs> because it's it completely satisfies my dad's, like, le- my dad's not the most creative, like, individual. <laughs> like, you know, like, it satisfies what he's looking for. He gets his entertainment, and it's solved, and it's done, and that's it. <laughs> that's all he needs. I, that's all I mean, he needs. The whole episode was about a guy who sold a line of jewelry, diamond jewelry, and they found out that he was selling glass diamonds. <gasps> wow. and, and I'm just, like, sitting there going, Won't wait a minute, this guy made millions of dollars, not one person checked this jewelry or had it appraised or but jimmy you, you're from new york you think that way <laughs> yeah I, I don't get it yeah i mean i have to you know i, I have just to get bought a, a 10 of, pound bag of diamonds <laughs> oh, shit. yeah i mean I, I would you know I, I just i'm watching it i'm going oh my god that's the story you know <laughs> well it's like I'm anything too, else picky, man. and we see it in comics too is that once there's a hit show like a lost mm-hmm. you're going to see 10 you know ripoffs and they're not going to be as good they're going to be you know because no. they don't put in the time or their effort or the talent and you see it in comics to some degree too once you have you know well when does the palmiati gray zombie book come out <laughs> you know the only i i have billy tucci and i have this joke that you know 
we always trying to figure out how to zombie proof our house a little better. Because <laughs> um, we have, like, we look at a house and I'm going, to, you know, he goes, it's not very zombie proof. And I'm like, dude, glass windows, you can be put, that's a push through, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, we, but the reality of it, I, I don't really have a zombie idea. Um, the only thing is Amanda said to me, it'd be great if all the animals on earth became zombies, just the animals. <laughs> just the monkeys. You know, because she's like, that's infinitely more interesting because you really can't, there is no rational thought. Just hungry animals trying to eat people is great because anything from, let's picture like killer squirrels to well, gerbils, imagine like, ankle, to, uh, to 100,000 fang, fang dachshunds you know you're chasing gonna, you down the street. You're going to see that book like in six months come out of IDW. Well, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a scene with a guy like in a coliseum and he just fought a real lion and then he turns around and there's a zombie lion standing right behind him. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, you know, the, you know, there really isn't, it's been done to death. You know, um, I, I, you know, some genres, they, you know, look, today I went to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, whatever oh. the hell that was called. Oh, was it good? I, yeah, I went to see that today. Here's a great opportunity to give us a ton of backstory. And really what they did is, it, it was, I thought it was a little bit of a cop-out. It was fun, but I like a little nudity in my movies, especially if they're rated R, um, and it didn't satisfy that. Um, granted, it was bloody and there was some good scenes, but overall I thought, well, this was a great opportunity to build a lot of backstory. You know, because it's going to be the first time we see Leatherface, maybe as a kid, maybe dealing with the world and how, you know. And they kind of just cut through it, you know, to get back to the old, here's four more people pulling into the wrong town. You know, so I was a little Always bit disappointed far. by it. Well, that's what I, when I, when I, when I saw <laughs> When I saw the previews uh, trailer for it, I'm like, well, it just looks like, the same thing from the first movie, which yeah. I'm a big sort of purist. I love the original, you know. So do I. So do I. And, and you know, I, I mean, literally, they should have told showed told the original story and ended it with the beginning of the you know. Right. But um, I, like, but I wasn't see like I saw the hills hills have eyes, mm -hmm. and yeah. I was very satisfied with that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't. I seen saw that. that. It was pretty. The thing with the, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which always bothers me, is that all the sequels and remakes. They never got why the first the first one is legitimately scary because yeah. it looks like it is just happening right in front of you. Yeah, the, and all those absolutely, sequels, absolutely. the sequels they just keep making the chainsaw bigger. And they keep making everything really like I want a really uh, beautiful scene with all this great <laughs> framing and it's right. like that's not the point of that movie. Well, it, well the, the No, you know, the point was that it could happen. And right. every time they make it fancier cool looking there's one scene in the movie where they focus on a chainsaw and it's all shiny and it's like souped up you know <laughs> sort of like Ghost Rider's bike in, in a way I can't explain it but I saw it and I was like no 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 wrong 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 this chainsaw should be so rusty and disgusting it should be something that's been sitting in the bottom of the garage you know um, but, but you know like I said I, I, The Hills of Eyes to me was a much better remake because it actually was frightening at times, and it was the most disturbing, like, offing of a family I've seen in a long time. <laughs> um, I don't want to ruin it if anybody didn't see it, but it's, 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 it was disturbing, and I was laughing. So that means it was good. That must, nice. have, been, must have been good. Well, we were talking about... I mean, look, if you got to go see anything, go see Jackass, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I saw you saw that? The, yeah. the Hills Have Eyes and Jackass. Where did this interview come off the rails? And then go, see, the then go see Idiocracy to find out why you should feel bad hey, about hey, laughing hey, at Jackass. Have you seen, uh, exactly. have you seen uh, the show on, the new show on Showtime called Dexter? 
uh, about the serial killer. Yeah, he was. He's I, not, I'm dying to see it, but I don't get Showtime. But I think they have, and I'll be a, a good plug for them. I think they have free Showtime this weekend. So they're going to run it, run the first episode if people want to catch it. Check it out. It was pretty interesting. It's it, He's a forensics scientist, or a, a forensics officer who's also a serial killer, but he justifies his passion for killing people by killing quote-unquote bad guys that get away from the legal system. And it, it, It's a pretty... Yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we had, we had a thing called Exile that was pretty much the same thing, um, but not about a serial killer. It was about somebody else who actually would kill them, who understood them and killed them. And uh, I, I'm kind of bummed because, you know, every time we come up with something, eventually if we don't get it out there, it comes out. <laughs> but you, sure but you, guys come up, thing. you guys come up with a new idea like every other day from what I hear. <laughs> yeah. So it's bound to happen. Yeah. It's the law of averages. Yeah. I know. You know, I, it's like I want to, you know, look, I wish the dream, dream well for me is somebody gives us a lot of money and lets us just put out crazy comics. That's, you well, know, like stuff that nobody else is doing. Crazy and with a K. If, if you had your choice to do TV, movies, or comics, what would you choose? Um, you, or, you know, comics is comics or video uh, games. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you know what you want to do when you're writing comics, you're, you're hearing music. You know, or you're seeing where the camera. Especially me, I'm seeing where the camera is, and when I'm writing scripts, I, I'm kind of like describing the scene. So, you know, in a way, of course, it has to be film because film can satisfy every part of that experience you know you have sound you have you know actually you could see it and so you know that kind of that kind of you know but it doesn't mean i want to do that for my living it just it probably just means i want to try it sure. I, i'd like the opportunity to try everything before i make the decision you know comics are great though i mean dude you can write a book then some guy draws it and it's a hundred times better than you even wrote it and and then it comes out and it's so exciting the whole it's, it's a real it's a thrill every week well, you you, know, you've kind of dabbled um, in it now, working with uh, with video games, notably uh, the Punisher, which you scripted with Garth Ennis, and then you're you're working on one uh, another one with with Garth uh, for the Ghost Rider. Yeah, the game. Ghost Rider. Yeah, I mean, and that's great too. You know, I love that I'm at a show and some kid who looks, you know, like he hasn't left his house in three years tells me <laughs> he's been playing the video game for two months and he loves it. You know, and it's it's a, it, you know again it's it's a kind of a cool thing. To do, you know, this whole this whole job is great. I, I really, the only there is no downside to it, except for the fact if you take things personally, you know, if you if you if you have thin skin, it's it's a tough business, maybe. Sure. You know, it's the only thing I've seen people like get really mental because they can't because people you know uh, hate their stuff, they review it badly, or they badmouth them, and yeah, realistically, you have to have you have to have thick skin. Can't wait until the next podcast? Be sure to check out AroundComics.com for breaking news, reviews, and opinions. This is how Cool's family is, okay? I'm in San Diego. Amanda and I go uh, get invited to this sci-fi party, which is just really just super beautiful uh, roof of a hotel. You know, all the people from all the shows that, that are on sci-fi, everybody getting drunk, having a great time. And we look over on the couch, and there's Stan Lee on this bed-like couch, leaning over, talking into this uh, blonde's ear. <laughs> now, the blonde was the, I'm, I'm forgetting her name, uh, Lucy, oh, Lucy Lois. That's who she was, Zena. I was going to say Zena, but yeah, she's, it was Lucy Lois. 
and wow. was hitting on Lucy Lawless. Nice. Um, my call me Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> and she was all, like, starry-eyed, looking at Stan, leaning into him. Well, I, you I know, and I, I'm sure that was a giant excelsior in his pants. Good boy, <laughs> man. I mean, she looked great. <laughs> the ghost of Jack and the sports And I wanted to go say hi to him the whole time, but he was like, he was just like, you know, working. You, you, you didn't know? want to cock lock him, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, oh, absolutely. And, and I wouldn't do that. I mean, right. you know. Hey, I you got a man to get the hell out of here. All of a sudden, Stan <laughs> like, turns around. He's like, hey, Jimmy, it's great to see you. Isn't that boat calling you to go on? You know, he'd, he'd probably just <laughs> kick my ass off the roof. But, uh, but I thought that's cool. I mean, because what is he, like 80? I guess Stan's like 80. He's somewhere, right? yeah, 80 Close. something. Man, I think. still doing it, though. Hey, uh, yeah, still, uh, still doing it. Still talking to Zena. Uh, whatever. <laughs> she's on Battlestar Galactica. I don't know her name on Galactica. Does anybody know it? Uh, uh, she's the reporter on I there. No so. idea. Great show, by the way. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, and it's on tonight, right? Uh, no, did it start tonight? Oh, you just shattered his world. All right, guys, I gotta go. I'll see you later. Quick. <laughs> 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 and thank God for <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> hey, we have a we have a few forum questions here from uh, from posters at our site. Okay. Um, Tom, you want to go? Sure. First one is from John Sokol. Is that the first uh, John, one? Uh, actually, no, it's from Dan. Oh, first one's from Dan. Uh, and the Dio? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Dan the Dio. Where, where, so why aren't you working? <laughs> no. Um, having just received and started reading the Daughters of the Dragon Samurai Bullets trade, I was wondering if they knew when they started Daughters that would run into Heroes for Hire series, or was that just a result of the success of the Daughters book? We we absolutely did not know it would run into it. As a matter of fact, um, maybe like maybe like by the fourth issue, they told us that it was going to, and we actually were going to um, rework the, the issue six, the ending, to tie into the Civil War, and then we decided at the last minute, mm, no, I think people should just read it for what it is and not worry about what's going on afterwards. So uh, we didn't, we definitely did not know. I mean. We, we, were, we were glad they actually published six issues. Um, he's also very excited to hear about the Terra miniseries, uh, a Palmiati Gray and Connor production. How insane does it get with the three of you working on the same project? <laughs> well, you know, out of the three of us, Amanda's the crazy one. So um, <laughs> Justin and I, we usually go to his place and work, and then uh, Amanda will pencil here and uh, while she's watching TV. She does this. So her drawing board faces the wall, and on the wall is a mirror, and through the mirror she can see the TV over her shoulder. So she's, like, really crazy. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, we actually got to do for the first time where we said, um, here's a scene where uh, Tara is, like, hanging out with people, and draw whatever you want, we'll dialogue it. And there is, like, not another artist we trust to do that kind of thing. And Amanda's... Uh, strength is actually, you know, character acting in, in the uh, the characters having have great acting in her books. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's great that we can. The, the best thing is if the book does well, we can actually like um, do store signings or like uh, go to a, a con. Like the three of us can be invited at the same time. So oh, that's, that's like really exciting for us because we like to show up at the same place. All of us. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the things I was going to talk about earlier. Is that your name? 
really always comes in a pair, it seems like. It's like, you know, Casada Palmiati or Palmiati Gray or Palmiati and Connor. But you're always like the center cog on all of these names that, that just kind of seem to come along with you. How, how cool has it been to have all of these partnerships in comics? Oh, I, I love it. I mean, I, I feel I'm, I'm lucky. And, and if you notice, it's, it's very rare I let my name be put first. I, I actually fight it off first. Mm-hmm. You'll see Justin's name first before mine because uh, it's because it's like it, cause everyone else gets unfair treatment because I've been around longer. So they tend to throw my name on first, but, I, you know, it's not fair. But, I, it, look, it's great. I mean, Joe, you know, I met Joe at a con and we became friends. And, you know, Dan DeDio and I, and people don't remember this, Dan DeDio and I worked on uh, Superboy together. Oh, wow. Before he was ever editor-in-chief. Dan DeDio was my next-door neighbor. <laughs> he was a guy that was not in comics. He worked for, uh, I think it was ABC, and then he worked for Mainframe. He did, like, Reboot and Beast Wars and stuff like that. Dan was, like, a left-field guy. When he got the call to become editor-in-chief, he called me up. He's like, dude, did they know I'm the same guy writing Superboy with you? <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely not. So did you... Otherwise, you, you wouldn't get it, because if one read a Superboy, they wouldn't have hired him. But, um... You know, it, it's just, it's great. It's nice to see uh, friends of mine doing so well. Again, you know, Dan Buckley is a guy I've been friends with for years and years and years. I met him while we were doing Marvel Nights, and we stayed friends, even though he left the business for like five, six years. Um, so it's really wild. It's a lot of fun. And again, you know, you guys, you three guys are sitting in the studio and you're friends, right? Yeah, you guys are all pretty good friends. Uh, whenever we're recording. Afterwards, it's page <laughs> five. You don't hang out afterwards? <laughs> no, we do, <laughs> yeah. Chris and I actually yeah, work together. Right? I mean, that's the fun of the fun of it is after this, you guys can all grab a drink and hang out and you know BS in the bar. And I mean, that's really that's really the special times in life. You know, it's not it's not so much a lot of other things. You know, I'm sure it's great to give birth. I'm sure, but anyway, you know, I, I just think that um, you know, I, I just think that these those are the times that are special. I think people need to appreciate it. And for me. Getting to work with my friends is, is like a great gift. You know, I'm getting to work with people. Uh, comics could be very solitary. You know, you can sit there and draw a book and take three weeks and never leave your, your room, you know. Um, and I don't know how people do it. Uh, guys like John Romita Jr. who do two books a month, I don't know how he does it, you know. The guy just amazes me. And um, Because he's a god. Yeah, he is a guy. I feel turtle. like I feel like that speech should and we should edit in a slow clap at the end. Like, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> and everyone well, stands. We, we do know that John Romita Jr. is a guy. <laughs> I, I love him so much. He's such a great guy. Oh, uh, we uh, we talked to John in uh, Chicago, and he's, he's not a not a more gracious guy. person you could ever meet. For a guy he's like Vinny Barbarino's brother, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I, gotta, I gotta, hey, I'll give you the job. My mother dies, all right? All right. <laughs> I had never, exactly. I had never actually heard him talk or met him in person before we met him at Wizard World Chicago. And we were standing waiting for him to finish a signing, and I, I kept looking at him, and I hear, I'd hear him talk to the people coming up, getting Horshack. No, no, I kept, I kept imagining it was. Um, um, Oh God! No, I can't. Tony Danza. Tony Danza. I'm like God. He just reminds me of Tony, Tony Danza. Ah. And I, well, no, hold on, hold on. So I, I, I'm thinking that in my head, right? So then we go yeah. and do an interview with him, and and he was great. He was just amazingly nice and and gracious and just fantastic. And at the end of it, we asked if he'd do a bumper, and I kid you not, the bumper is, "Hi, this is Tony Danza, and you're listening to Around Comics." And I, I started laughing my ass off. I couldn't believe, you know, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's a good bump. That's a good bump." This is Stan Lee. <laughs> when I when my earring's good, 
I listen to around comics. Granted, it's not that often these days, and usually I just go on the internet for that funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, my my girlfriend heard the Tony Danza one, and she was like, Tony Danza listens to your podcast? <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's, that's so random, it's wonderful. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> you know? All right, well, our next our next forum post is from John Sokol, and he said, uh, You seem to enjoy pushing boundaries in your stories. Is there anything you got away with that shocked you that editorial let it slide? Do you have any good stories or something you tried to get into a book and editorial really clamped down on you? Uh, well, I, I, one thing I got away with, and I don't even know, do you, are you guys familiar with the term Coney Island Whitefish? Sure, I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, for, the, for those we'll listeners out there, wiki it. It, it, we refer to that as condoms on the beach. Ah, yeah. I mean, whitefish. And um, there's a Deadpool issue that I wrote that it's there as plain as day. <laughs> and, and he's just going. He's like, "What do you come down here and hang out and fish out? You know, look for Coney Island whitefish." And he goes, "Like, yeah, blah 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 blah." And <laughs> yeah, I really didn't know what it was, and I was giggling and. You know, and then there's things that didn't, um, some stuff that didn't, like, they, you know, they caught us on. Um, and actually, I, I credit Justin for this particular line. Um, it was, in, it was in, a, in a DC book. I don't want to say exactly what it is, because it's not out yet. I don't want to ruin the story. Um, there's a DC book where a, a girl finds out her father's a robot. And the robot is sarcastic. And now this is a father looking at his daughter, but the daughter, but the father's a robot, right? Mm-hmm. And the robot goes, come over here and give daddy a tug. <laughs> and the daughter goes, what did you just say? He said, hug, give your daddy a hug, you know? And we thought that was hysterical. <laughs> we, were, we were laughing like, that's the most wrong thing we ever wrote. <laughs> and the editor calls up and like, you guys are high if you think that's going to be in the comics. Uh. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay. I mean, we, we do put a lot of stuff in there. Um, all the time that gets taken out. Because I think sometimes you just have to write. Uh, we had stuff in Hex that, you know, too brutal, too crazy. Um, You're shooting people in the head. In Hex, but the superhero stuff, we tend to push it a little further. Or I, I like in Daughters of the Dragon, I want to see nipple <laughs> all the time on those girls. I think it's, I, I back it up. I say, it's cold there in New York. The nipples will be pushing out right now. And, um... How realistic you know, do you want say, You know, you got to cool down with the nipples, and I'm like, look, we're not, you know, we're not desperate housewives. We don't have, need to spend money to take them off, and it's a T&A book. Part of the T is the nipple, <laughs> okay? And I, I, make, I, I make no apologies about this, okay? If it's a rated R movie, I want to see tits and ass and blood and cursing. I don't want to see an R-rated movie where none of these exist. Right, what's the I don't point? get it. Why bother, uh-huh. you know? Um... Yeah, so due to the dragon, you know, Carrie Evans, uh, we had to kind of like, there was some bare ass shots, you know, some bare boob shots we had to take out, and uh, actually he's working on Shanna right now, and you know how tempting that is. But I say, you know, we just call the book Camel Toe and get it over with. <laughs> That's what I say. Camel Toe, the series. Civil War crossover. Yeah. I think Camel Toe would be the coolest female villain ever. Oh, if, no. if we can get away with it. But and it her partner, Moose Knuckle. <laughs> it, it would probably work at Wildstorm, a book called Pam- Camel Toe. By the way, we, you know, listeners of Around Comics, you've heard it here first, the creation of Camel Toe coming from Wildstorm. <laughs> Well, we are a news and information site. Yeah. Hey, 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 Jimmy, you can put your name first on that one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I actually I have people passing me notes here in the shop. That's, uh, uh, we have, Your zip is open? 
Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> we, we've opened the floor to questions here. Um, had uh, 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 Mike Husco here in Chicago wants to know um, how you guys came up with the idea to to tell the story never told in the Hex origin, which is coming up. In, in the what? Uh, uh, the, the, yeah, the Jonah Hex origin that you guys are doing. Oh, the Jonah Hex, the, how we came up with You know what? It's actually been told in a lot of little bits and pieces over the 90-plus issues of the book original run. And what we did is we kind of pieced them all together and, and put them and bookended them with a, with a bigger story. So we kind of... We kind of took what was some of the things that existed. Like I said, we just gave you a bigger, a, a, a more of a story to it rather than little snippets of his life here and there. We, we really didn't, there's not much in there that's like really, really original because we wanted to respect what came before. But do we definitely did our own thing with it. Do we find out how he is an, anse- or how he is an ancestor of Clint Eastwood? <laughs> you know, um... Go F yourself, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I would love the fact that, you know, we let the artists do what they want. Mm-hmm. If they want to make them look like Clint, we don't argue. It's cool. You know? I, I dig personally, it. Personally, I don't mind it. Like, Lacey really nailed it pretty well, I thought, in the new issue. Well, he a- did his own Clint, but he did his own dirty thing. Luke Ross, you know, he's a photo ref guy. I can understand why Luke went right for Clint. And and realistically, I think the outlaw Josie Wells was, in the way, my, my Jonah Hex type movie. Sure. When I was a kid. You know, I'll tell you what, the the one piece of art in, in that book that I was just blown away with was the Frank Quietly cover. Oh, yeah, the first cover. Man, that was just unreal. Um, I don't think I've ever looked at uh, Jonah Hex drawing where... It looked it, it looked so real that it was a guy that you know half his face was torn off, but it was the same guy. You know, most of the time when someone draws something like that, it's like it's like Two Face. Two Face yeah. Two Face never looks like it's the same guy. It's a monster on one side, but this looked like the same guy. Yeah, I just, that, that he, was, he, 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 boy, I would love to get like ten covers from him, boy. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, this last issue, Paul Glacey is a stud. It, oh yeah, what a gorgeous book. Isn't it? And you know what's funny? It's like because they asked me, "Do you want to ink it?" Because I usually ink Paul, and I said, "No, <laughs> no, I'm writing the book. Let Paul ink it." The last, he's just—he's so good inking himself. You know, I hate to take that away from him. Usually, when I ink him, it's because you know he, he's got to hit a deadline. But this book, he had a break, and I said, "Paul, just show off." I said, "Go in there and show me you still got it." You know? Sure. And he's right. like, "Okay, baby, I got it. I got you know." And he's he's. He's a guy, remember, his first Master Kung Fu he drew, he was 16. Wow. So that's kind of freaky if you think about it. Now, are you all done inking Manhunter? Uh, yeah, I stopped that. I think I think I only did, I want to say, like eight or nine issues of that. Okay, are you... So I, haven't been, I haven't been on it in a while. Okay, have you put the, the inking tools down for a while with everything that no, you're writing? No, I just finished what I finished. Secret Six, number five. I just finished the Gail Simone series. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think number six comes in next week, and I'm inking Terra over Amanda, and I'm inking Shanna. Now, if um, you screw up those inks, you've got hell to pay, right? With Amanda? Yeah. You know what? The great thing is, after I'm done, Amanda takes the page and messes with it. <laughs> so, so, and, and I love it, because you, as an inker, you should have no ego. Whatever makes her happy, she should do to it. I don't, I don't care. I wish I had Paul Galacy in my neighborhood when I worked on Catwoman with him, because nothing would make me happy if he went, eh, you know, yeah, you should do this, you should do it this way, you know? Because the artists, they, they know what they want, but they can't always get it down in pencil form. And inking is hard for them sometimes because the tools, it's just a different kind of tool, you know? Um, but, 
No, I got those things, and Carrie, you know, Carrie Evans, I mean, Daughter, you gotta remember, Daughters of the Dragon was the first comic he ever drew. Okay? What? Really? Yeah, it, that, that was the first comic he, I mean, he never drew a comic book before. Jeez. Um, I found, I found him in the, in the, in Los Angeles, uh, he's showing me his stuff, he was showing me his work, and I'm like, dude, you're good, I can get you work, and he goes, really? <laughs> he goes, he was designing video games. Well, well, that, that's why we we actually have a forum post that's kind of about that. Go ahead, about uh, sort of the pencilers artists. Uh, yeah. Do you guys often get to bring pencilers artists into projects with you, or does editorial handle most of that? And that's from Matthew Guy. No, no, that's from oh. that's from Steve Bryant. Oh, well, okay. his name is. Well, we we um, <laughs> I prefer to bring the artist mm-hmm. to the project because then we know what we're going to get, um, and we also pitch with the artist attached. So, uh, Shannon was because of Carrie. Actually, Daughter of the Dragon, we just had Carrie do a couple of drawings uh, of Misty and Colleen, and I gave it to Joe, to Saturn. Joe was like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, we could do this for six issues. We got an idea. And he's like, done. Get this guy going. Get wow. him working. So, you know, it's easy to bring in. Terry is an easy sell when we have Amanda attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, uh, freedom Fighters, they having Danny Lacuna do uh, sketches of the characters, you know, all of a sudden the, the book is got a green light. So, and I do like to look at, I do like to bring in new guys. I mean, we have a, we have a site called Paper Films. It's paperfilms.com. And, I, I, you know, anybody wants to post uh, some new stuff they got or, or at least hit me up, show me their stuff. If you think it's professional level, I am all for bringing in new guys. I am not... I, like three out of the four projects I'm doing are done by guys who haven't really done books. We know quite uh, a few yeah. artists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be yeah I, I, Dave Wachter is coming. I, your I know way. a guy named <laughs> Dave Wachter that you need to take I a look. That's cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Hit me up, man. If it's good, I'll give you work. I'll get you work somehow. I'll get you work. People, artists that blow me away, I will spend day and night finding something for them. Well, that's great. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, that's very well, cool. I, I, you I think do. you know. I think remember, not everybody's a good salesman, even for their own work. Sometimes you need somebody to go in there and. Uh, Make a little noise for I, it. I found that with most artists because most artists have a tendency of being self-deprecating. They they don't yeah. like what they do, and so right. they're the worst salesman for their own stuff. Yeah, I, I you know it, it's okay. You can be that way with other artists, but if you would an editor or a company, you gotta you gotta make a little noise. You gotta say, hey, look, I can do that. Hey, are we ever? You know, gonna... I could do that better than anybody. <laughs> it's we... okay, even if you suck. I think you still need to kind of go out there and push your work. That's the only way. You know, you gotta be open to learning. And I will, at, at any con, anybody show me their work, I will sit down with them at least for a couple of minutes and go over what they should be doing. So there's, a, there's always like, there's like three or four pieces of advice I give everybody that draws. And, you know, it usually winds up being the same three or four things that every person I meet. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's just a lot, so, sometimes a lot of people just need a little helping along. and They don't need a ton of work, they just need a little bit. Hi, I'm Simon Oliver, the writer of The Exterminators, and you're listening to Around Comics. Are we ever going to see? Uh, and forgive me if I if, if this has already happened because I'm not caught up. But um, Quentin Tr- Turnbull in in the current Jonah Hex series. We we have we have plans. You know, everybody asks for May Lang and like all these other characters. Eventually, everything will happen. Let's just put it this way: we have a hit list of things we want to bring into the series and characters we want to bring in. And uh, Batlash and, and El Diablo were our first two. Um. And uh, and it goes on from there. So uh, you know, eventually everything that you're looking for will be in that book. Cool. Plus some new characters. We have a Tulu, a black character, 
that's coming in that uh, Phil Noto's drawing now that um, it's not only a beautiful issue, but she's just as twisted as Jonah. It's kind of a fun character. Well, you guys got me hooked on that on that series, definitely. I, I'm absolutely enjoying the hell out of it, and uh, we'll Thanks. continue to be right. buying that, and, and hopefully other people will too. And it's the easiest book out there to just tell someone, you know what, go buy one issue and try right. it out, because that's all they have to do. Yeah, I mean, at one point I wanted to offer, like, I'll pay if you don't like it. And then I realized that, what am I, stupid? I don't have any money, you know. Uh, I hustle, you know. Um, we did. I did do a thing with uh, retailers on, on the uh, on the retailer boards that if they wanted some signed books for their stores, um, you know, I'd more than willing to get all my comps and send them out. And I did. I sent, like, 37 envelopes full of signed Jonah <laughs> Um But I ran out of everything. I'm all out of the books now. Um, but you know, you try to do grassroots stuff. I, I still have my my you know my origins are like especially event comics. It's all grassroots, so you, you need to make connections with people and retailers and support them, and you know, go out and shake hands with the fans and find their books. It's uh, you know the thing I do is at a con. If you bring me three hundred books that I did, I will sign all three hundred. If you're crazy enough to carry all these damn things and buy them, I'll sign them. You know, there's, there's certain things, you know, I, I, I still remember getting online for George Perez to get a sketch. I still remember uh, waiting online for an hour for Jim Stranko just to show him some artwork I did and, you know, and then him sitting with me. You know, you remember that stuff. You never lose that, and you try to bring that into everything you do. You try to bring that humility, and, and uh, for me, when I go to the cons, I, I try to be on my best behavior, even if I'm hungover and... <laughs> bleeding from some hole somewhere and you know <laughs> i try to just put the best face forward and try to meet everybody thinking that this will be the only minute they ever meet me in their life so i'm not going to be a dick it's the joe dimaggio well, why, why do you play so hard kid because well, there may be someone out there that's never seen me play yeah. before well like people are so you know people would be like oh, i don't know if i'd read jonah hex but from my own experience of like talking to creators and stuff you can get past all that just by meeting someone and talking to them and being like, Absolutely. oh, they're really cool, oh I'll God, pick like, it up. Yeah. Actors. Like, if you meet an actor uh, and they're friendly to you, all of a sudden everything they do, you're like, hey, that guy's pretty cool. Right. It, it definitely has a lot to do. It also has the other thing, like, you know, when, when, they're, when they're, well, you know, like, I, and I like Mel Gibson, but that shit he did, you know. <laughs> uh, the, the sugar tip line had me laughing. Now. <laughs> I, have to, I have to admit, I've kind of used that a couple of times. But you know, the other stupid stuff he did. And look, he was drunk. Whatever. I'm not making excuses for him. But it's hard because I love that guy. You know, like I love those lethal weapon movies. It was Mad Max. And, oh my God, Mad Max and Road Warrior. You know, but it's hard. Like when it gets tainted like that, you, you know, to kind of wash that away or forget about that. And it taints. It, it taints it. It does in some way. You know, it, it definitely does. And there's one or two creators that I've met that have been total a-holes. Joe Casada. Okay. And, um, and they Stop are. It. No, I'm kidding. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you. on Around Comics next week. No, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. No, we, I never forget that. We, like, when I was a kid, they were really just nasty to me, you know? And um, and I'm not, I'll never forget that. And I don't even buy their books. I don't even look at their stuff. Well, I'll tell you what. We had uh, a few weeks back, we had John Byrne on the show. And my biggest... Oops. John, John Byrne. Byrne. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and my biggest fear going into it for like you know three weeks was he was going to be a dick. 
because right. he was as a kid. I mean, he was my hero. I wanted to draw like John Byrne. I, you know, and obviously as I grew up, you know, things changed. But still, that part there was some part of me that was still twelve years old. No, I don't want that to idolized, by this guy. and yeah. I didn't. And he turned out to be just a great guy. But you know, yeah, you know, I, I've never had a bad experience with John. I mean, he bailed on the Superman book we wrote. Um, one of the movie, kind of one of the sideway movie books that we did. Um, John bailed on it, but I, I never had a really bad experience with him. Every time I see him, he's friendly. I say hello. Um, I just think John maybe should turn off his computer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that I think that maybe for, it's not good to kind of just vent and then say send. You know, I think it's good to vent and then say send later and then read it the next day maybe. And and that and that's what it was when we talked to him because. For us, we, we know two things about John Byrne. We know about all the art that he did and the stories that he wrote whenever we were growing up and now, and then we know his persona online. And so we yeah. are scared as hell. Yeah, know? and it stinks. And you know what? I, I, you know, I, I, this is before you, all of us were born, but there was a time when like celebrities and famous people weren't accessible. They weren't accessible. And the, the studios controlled the image. Rock Hudson was and, gay. And you know, yeah. I, I think... <laughs> In a way, that's okay, but I also kind of really enjoy the fact that a lot of the creators, they're just regular guys. I, I, I found it, when I was younger, very encouraging that a guy like George Perez or Stranko or these guys would sit with you and just BS and talk to you like they knew you for years. And, you know, because it made it, I think, in my head that I, I can do this job. Like, I can be like these guys. It's not so beyond me. But I can't try. Like these guys are doing it, and they're still saying that they're trying their hardest and stuff like that. And I, it inspires you in a way. Um, I, I know, like when when we were dealing, Joe and I were dealing with Kevin Smith for a couple of years. You know, when we did Daredevil. We were on his movie sets, like two or three of his movies. You know, and, and he would ask, you know, do you want to be in this? Or do you want to be this and that? And I only did it once with Joe. Like Joe and I did the opening of Chasing Amy, which they cut out. <laughs> and after that, I was like, you know, I never want to act again. I don't have it in me, you know, and, but, but, you know, to get the balls to even sit there and do it, like, you know, it was crazy. Oh, and, what a great um, experience. You know, and I, I think, I think in a way, you know, um, you know, making these guys, they're just regular guys. You meet Kevin Smith, he's a regular guy, you know, and, and there's no really real Superman except for, um, it kind of reduces everything. The only thing, there's a downside of that, which is there's no more adults in the world. I don't know if you guys have gotten to that stage yet, where, no matter what went wrong, there was always an adult you can run to. Like, <laughs> well, I got, two, I got two now. kids, so yeah, not, there's no adults left for, uh, for me to run to. It's, no. it's the other way right. around. And, you know, now that we're that guys, in a way, you know, all of a sudden, like, oh my God, they didn't know what they were doing either. <laughs> yeah. I had a goddamn clue what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> right, or, yeah. But I think comic books are the cool thing. See, comics are cool because people can put out their own books. They can go, there's a company I use called Kablam. Mm -hmm. online complain like, like they'll print like 200 of whatever i want and with money i can make working in burger king for two weeks you know i think it's really accessible and I, I think it's one of those fields where we really don't have any superstars i think besides i think there's jim lee frank miller stanley i think that's it i, yeah. think I, I don't even right who's the other big superstar joss whedon I would say. alan moore yeah. yeah yeah but josh whedon like right, he's a tv yeah. guy Probably Alan, uh, Alan Moore. Yeah. Alan Moore, but nobody sees him. Right, he's well, I, think, I think the interesting thing about it is, like, uh, 
to put out a 200-issue run of your comic book, I think sometimes we lose track of, in sort of creative endeavors, that it can be as worthwhile to the person that puts it out as the audience. Because everyone seems so obsessed with, you know, you've sold 20,000. The cutoff point is 10,000. If you sell below 10,000, your book will get canceled. Instead of thinking about it as sort of a purely creative endeavor. Because I think sometimes we get really caught up in sort of commercial because we have to. But there's a certain there's a certain avenue in comics that needs to be appreciated where people put out you can put out a really small book oh my god yeah, yeah. I mean I, I I, you know put it this way if I was putting out my own image book and I did 10,000 that's a party dude sure yeah. you know that's a party and, and, uh, but with Marvel and DC they'd be like oh that's it you know uh, you know but, but the thing is I, when I was a kid I still have this stupid stupid comics I made when I was a kid I went to like my, one of my friend's father's office and Xeroxed them and stapled them, and I thought it was so cool. Like here's my comic, and it's you know, it's about a guy that lives in this town, and it just keeps rambling. You know, it's horrible. <laughs> Who well, just well, stapled see. his own comic? Yeah, well, those, those, those are mini comics. You're very happy right, to do mini, that. But I mean, you know, where else do you have that? You know, it, it. That's the cool thing, and and I can't tell you how many times it shows guys give me their mini comics, and I'm like on the plane back, I got a pile of them, and I'm just looking through them and laughing at some of them. Sure. And then some of them are brilliant ideas I want to steal so bad, so I must forget about them the minute I read it. <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, one guy had this great idea. He's like, what if you, I, I want to, like, offer this company that will, if you bring in a hair sample or any kind of sample of somebody you hate, we'll clone him to the age he is, and you can kick the shit out of him. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. oh, my God. Like, so I bring you one of my boss's hairs. <laughs> my wife's hair and you create a second one that I can shoot <laughs> that's, mm. a, that's a great idea how come right on. simple great there's some kid on the street handed it to me <laughs> you know and I was like oh I can never do that <laughs> another idea you know but, and he'll never do it either mind you <laughs> but, but you know it's, it's that kind of thing and, and, and like I said comics I, I think thank god we're in, we're in comics now because you guys uh, gotta notice this too there's a lot more respect being thrown around yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you guys might even go out and get laid, like, you know. Because <laughs> hey, you know, well, oddly enough, all three of the guys on this panel will go home to women tonight. <laughs> right. Oh, so, okay, oh, none of you get so laid. Okay, I got it. So always a day-by-day -day lease with me. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't... Uh... Like when you first, all three of you, when you first met your women, uh, you, your women um, they were like comics? What? No. Now my no. wife, my wife has no hates comics, doesn't want anything to do with them, and thinks I'm a dork for reading them. I hid my, I hid the fact that I read comics <laughs> from my girlfriend until pretty much We're, I lived with her. My girlfriend, <laughs> my girlfriend thinks I'm bowling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're, pretty, we're pretty, we're pretty authentic bowling smell can in your car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're, we're yeah, actually and, pretty. And now it's not so, I remember I used to, you know, be out and I'd say, oh yeah, well I work on comics and. That was usually like the same thing as saying, I'm a puppeteer. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm a, a mime. Priest. I'm a mime. <laughs> I'm a priest. <laughs> I, I, I take care of my mom. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, and now it's a little different. I mean, and again, I guess we, because we're all over the media doing wonderful movies like X Men 3 and Electra. <laughs> and uh, we're getting all the respect in the world. Oh, sure. Um, I'm kidding there. They're not wonderful <laughs> movies, by the way. But, um,. You know, I, I think it's just, I think it's a good time to be in comics. I think we might have some credibility somewhere these days. Right. But we always have it with our peers. We always have it with the people that buy the books. We love them. 
Well, you know, so well I'll tell you what, uh, I just hope you know you and, and Justin don't ever get discouraged because uh, I think you guys are putting out some really good books, and uh, I know they may not be you know huge, gigantic runaway successes for you yet, but uh, but I just I, I I think you're putting out really good work and stuff that's on the fringe of of you know all the superhero stuff that's out there and being done and and it's 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 the kind of books that I want to read. Well, I think the don't big think thing is that they're good. Yeah, and they're yeah they're Jonah good Hex. books. Yeah, go, go I wouldn't buy have Jonah picked Hex. it up, yeah. and I read the trade and I loved it. Yeah. So I well, mean, thanks. I mean, hey, look, all, all we can do is try to do the best we can at all times. You know, uh, I always say I might die tomorrow, so I really have to do some good work tonight. Right. Well, Jimmy, we're going to let you go here in just a minute, but want to want to thank you. So that was uh, that was the longest like half hour interview we've had. <laughs> I know Amanda's making the feed me face towards me. Well, like, uh, I'm hungry, right, Amanda? Are you hungry? I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> hey, can you can you do us a favor and uh, and pass uh, an invitation along to Amanda because we'd like to have her back Amanda, on, you on the show? Amanda, you guys point? for a second? You guys, oh, last, it doesn't have to be right now. For a minute, you want it? Sure, sure. Okay, here you go. Go cook. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Fantastic. This is uh, Chris and Tom and Salad around comics. Uh, hi, Chris and Sal and Tom. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Chris, Sal, and Tom are good. <laughs> thank, thank, well, thank what's you. What's wrong with you, Chris? <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm good too. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just, I'm just sitting back and, and watching the, uh, the circus. Thank you for, uh, for allowing us to uh, steal Jimmy for, from you for, for a couple hours here tonight. That's okay, no problem. <laughs> it's been a peaceful Friday night for you, probably. It's a what? It's probably been a peaceful Friday night for you since he's been tied up on the phone. Yeah, it, it has been peaceful. The, the, only, um, the only person that's been like harassing me is my cat. She's hungry. <laughs> I guess I'm pretty hungry, too. <laughs> well, we'll let, we'll let you guys go. We just wanted to uh, say hi and, and, and offer an invitation out to you if you ever want to spend, you know, 30, 40 minutes or an hour and a half with us <laughs> to talk okay. about what you're working on. We'd love to have you on the show, too. I will. I'll take you up on that. All right. All right excellent. <laughs> Here, here's Jimmy. Hold on. Right. Hey, bye. See, I know a girl. How did you get so lucky? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I uh... I, she attacked me anyway. Let's be honest. I, I, she came after me. Are, are you are you one of the guys that that just Forrest Gumps through life? We're like Forrest Gump. Oh, nice. Where everything, no no matter okay. how bad it could be, just ends up working out, you know, perfectly for you. You know, I I, I tell you, I I, I, I inked her on covers <laughs> before I ever met her, and when I met her, I was like, hey, this is a cool girl. You know, like what's she doing in comics? <laughs> And uh, I think it was four of them at the time, like four women in comics. I think it was Colleen Duran and uh, and um, uh, the Chicago native Jill Thompson. Sure, absolutely. You, you guys ever interview her? We have no, we have not talked to Jill. We gotta we gotta hunt her down and get her into the shop one Friday. Jill is so awesome. Let me tell you, she's awesome. But there was like only three or four girls in comics. Now there's a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, but Amanda's a special case. I mean, you guys should definitely uh, talk to her one day because she's hysterical. Well, when, when, uh, does, when does Tara come out? Uh, Tara comes out in January. Well, I tell you what, let's talk to her in January. Okay, cool. That sounds great. Jimmy. Guys, thank you, thank you so much. Well, and the Wizard guys, you know, I always pick on them because they really need to feature me more. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we agree. Just, they just have, they, you know, they've never done a story where, like, about me or Justin. It, I only, last story I had was in 19... 96 with event comics. You believe wow. that? 10 years. Man. You're uh, you're yeah. too well known to be that unknown. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? 
Who cares, right? Hey, you're having fun. You're writing as comics. Long as, I'm in, as long as I'm in CBG. Do you guys still read CBG? Sure. Yeah. You know, I kind of like it. Um, it has the most bizarro articles, like, you know, the 18 bizarro, most bizarro moments of the bizarros. And <laughs> yeah. Where else, where else are you going to find that? <laughs> no, no, it's good because it's... They talk about stuff that you're not going to read. Like, Wizard never talks about anything that I don't already know no. like, three months ago. Yeah. You know, like, that's... It, it, it's You have to worry when just whenever you start ending up in back issue that you've been around <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know what? I, I, I do like the fact that I, I don't feel guilty throwing it out when I'm done because it's on newsprint. Sure. You know, I, we still have this thing, I guess, in comics that we hate to throw out anything on slick paper. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have that. I'm getting over it slowly. Um, but I, you become a pack rat when you collect comics. It's it's a very pack rat mentality. You mean like a collector mentality? That would never yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I want less comics. I just want more trade books. Hey. I wish every comic was 98 pages. Oh, I agree. And $2. And, and, no, a dollar. Yeah, I was like, talking about five dollars and walk out with five books. Ah, uh, there you um, go. You know, uh, I pitched when we were in Marvel Knights. I know I'm running too long. When I was in Marvel Knights, <laughs> I pitched that we instead of doing X Men, uh, five different X Men. What we do is we put all five into one book called X Men January, X Men February, and it would just be like one price, like five bucks for everything. You know, X Men. are going to buy that it way anyway. Can, that <laughs> way we can keep it on bookshelves all year round. That's you know, such a bad and, idea. Um, everyone thought I was nuts, and that's why I no longer work there. there well, you. then you wouldn't be able to live that crazy jet set lifestyle that you know from all those big dollars you're you're getting in, raking yes, in few, fewer fewer trips to Florida. <laughs> you, might, you know, we have a house down there. That's why we go down there. Oh, there you we go. live in an apartment in Brooklyn that literally, if I ran from one side of it to the other, I couldn't actually run because you need to get up speed. Where, where do you live in Brooklyn? In uh, Sheepshead Bay. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, look, there's three people outside now giving me the finger. Great. <laughs> I, know the, I know a couple of people that live in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. Okay, you see, Carroll Gardens is nice. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm like really like down the block from the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, if, okay. If, if, if that large landmass in Africa falls, I'm the first guy You're to get fucked. wiped out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, eBay those books. <laughs> nice. Well, Jimmy... Thank you so much, and we would love to have you on any time that you have an upcoming project. All right. Thanks, thanks, guys. Listen to Around Comics, new every Monday, and now with all new and improved bumpers between segments. The anticipation is killing you, isn't it? All right, folks, that was our chat with Jimmy Palmiotti. He's quite the, quite the regular kind of guy, you know? He's, oh, uh, he's a, one accents. of them New Yorkers guys, you know? <laughs> He's in New York. No, I he was great. He was. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking to him. I did. <laughs> what is that? So what's wrong with your voice? <laughs> I don't is know. that the Vegas voice? You got the Vegas. We got the Vegas. Vegas. When we have a guest on, I try and talk. Try and talk normal. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, like Elvis. Webber. You know, we've talked about movies. We talked about TV. And <coughs> we talked talk to Amanda. We even got uh-huh. to talk to Amanda okay. in a little while. And we had a good time. We didn't get to talk to Justin, but. You know, what are you going to yeah, do? Maybe we'll have... It was a great first now, date. That'll be Amanda and Justin on next time. Talking all the dirt about Jimmy. It was a Jimmy. really go. good first date. <laughs> you feel satisfied? Did you get yeah. the first base or second? I, I what was, do you think we got? It was a really good conversation, which is all you can hope for, really. <laughs> these days, with friends are in MySpace, you can't even meet these people. Yeah, you know, it's like serial killers. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck you're going to run into out there. So cheers, Jimmy. Good times. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> 
just like bats blue and really get to your, you know. It's Canadian. It's Canadian. It's <laughs> Drinking the Canadian. It's only 11 and a half ounces a bottle, though, so I feel cheated slightly. <laughs> anywho, you know that Canadian beer? It's like moonshine. Anywho. You're all too. right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, once again, thank you. Do we have any announcements? We do not have any more announcements, but we have more voicemails. Oh, right. You want to play voicemail? Can you turn that up a little, the voicemail a little? Turn, turn it up? Sure, absolutely. Hot mic. Do we want to listen to a voicemail? Sure, yes, absolutely. Uh, as long as it's not another you know, listener bitching because I haven't sent him a sketch. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. but, but there is more bitching in oh, okay. this. Is there? So, uh, yes, I love yes. it. This is our, uh, our buddy in New another New Yorker, uh, David D. Oh, my God. Hey, around comics, guys. It is David D. calling again from New York City. I was just uh, listening to the latest episode, which is great. Really enjoyed the Greg Rucka interviews. But I have an idea for a new show feature. Or gag. Oh, we can't take or that. Or maybe you can think of it as a, a game. But I was thinking that uh, maybe as a running a running thing, each time that Brian mispronounces Garth Ennis's name <laughs> as if he is a deputy on the Dukes of Hazard, I think he should have to buy <laughs> Tom shit on me, a quarter book. Yes, I love it. You've been and maybe you know Tom has until the end of the episode to go and find the quarter book. You know, so if Tom gets bored, he, it's an excuse for him to get up and walk around, and uh, at the end of the episode, he can let us <laughs> all know all what the book Brian is going to have to buy him. And uh, this way, you know, there's a sense of, you know, there's quarter books. And uh, eventually, Brian will get Mr. Annis' name right. So that's my idea. Just giving you crap, of course. Great show. Always getting better. Website's always getting better. Enjoy it very much. And I look forward to the next one. And then he called back and left this. Oh, and if he tries to do, you know, the fake British accent again, <laughs> uh, then it's two quarter books for Tom, I think. That just is a little add-on if you like the Garth Ennis one. You know, just another little one that, um, you know, anytime there's a fake British accent. And it doesn't just have to be Brian. Anybody. Anybody tries to fake... A uh, other than Tom, if anybody other than Tom tries to say, Can you call me Sal? Anyone I don't know you well enough for you to call me Brian. Two quarter books. All right, that's it. (laughs) You know what's funny (laughs) is he mispronounced Garth. It's actually Gareth. Gareth. Everyone knows Gareth is on the Ennis. last name. So what is this? It's I say Ennis. Do I say Ennis all the time? You do. Well, it's because it's spelled just like penis. No, it's not. There's two ends. Penis. It has tennis. Yeah, I yeah. guess it is tennis. Yeah, it's tennis. Ah, fuck him. He's Scottish. What do I? I, I, I was gonna correct you, but I figure I would just keep you know wetting you, make the mistake. Tennis, I was hoping tennis. for an underground drinking game. Yep. Every, yeah, time, every, every time, every time I'd say it. Mispr- every time he mispronounces. Well, I still do it. I I just have that in my head. I well, I don't know. Gentlemen, tennis, can we agree to continue to mispronounce his name? <laughs> <laughs> it's been put Thank to a vote. But you know, if you're gonna leave the voicemail, I'd prefer you people call me Sal. I don't know you people well enough. You people. For, for my Christian name. Right. <laughs> Although I'm not oh, Christian. Thanks, David D. <laughs> we just, we're just kidding. Thank, Thank you, you for calling. Thanks, David. And actually, David had another I'm not great voicemail, but you know we're only going to play one of his voicemails an episode. Yes. So we're, we're Was gonna, it bitching about me in any uh, way? Maybe. Hmm. It's, uh, but right. I've, I, I've got it. I see so. where I stand on this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that will uh, take care of the first half of Around Comics. That means it's time to move over to the news desk and let everybody know what's been going on in the world of comics for the last week. It's time for Wire to Wire Comic News. These are your top headlines for the week of October 2nd, 2006. 
Dark Horse plans to launch one new licensed manga title, a new original English language manga title, a great background book, and several manga repackages for early 2007. The new manga title is Tenpenshu, a two-volume series collecting shorter works by Eden creator Hiroki Endo. The first Tenpanshu volume, which will street in January, will collect three short stories with mature themes. The three storylines concern a doomed Yakuza outcast, a group of school kids with one about to boil over, and the members of an experimental theater troupe. The 232-page manga-sized trade paperback will be shrink-wrapped and carry an 18-and-over content advisory and retail for $12.95. writer Warren Ellis to attend the San Diego Comic-Con. The following is as read from the writer's website and email newsletter, Bad Signal. It appears that I'm going to be attending the San Diego Comics Convention in 2007. I was talking to William at Avatar last month, and he was saying that I should do San Diego again one day. So I said, sure, get me a business class flight, a decent hotel room, and security, because Nikki's convinced that one of us is going to get shot at a big convention one day, and you're on, knowing full well that all that would not happen, which is my usual mistake. He came back a week later and said, I sorted all that out, and you are now a guest of Avatar Press at the 2007 San Diego Comics Convention. Best-selling author Greg Hurwitz, the writer behind Kill Claws and Last Shot, will be revamping Fool Killer for the Marvel Max line. Hurwitz is bringing his gritty street crime writing sensibilities to the hard-edged anti-hero Fool Killer for a five-issue miniseries this winter. A sneak preview of the series can be seen in the Wednesday, October 4th released Max Sampler. Love and Capes, Tom Zowler's acclaimed heroically super situation comedy comic book, is coming back just in time for the holidays. Love and Capes number two will be available for advance order through Diamond Comics Previews catalog in October to be in stores just before Christmas. Love and Capes number two is 24 full color pages of holiday fun that combines the witty dialogue and unique art style that made Love and Capes number one such a hit with critics and fans alike. Prior to the release of the second issue, Tom Zeller is giving fans a chance to become better acquainted with his characters by making Love and Capes number one available in its entirety at www.loveandcapes.com for a limited time. Watch out as Mike Mignola, Kevin Nolan, Humberto Ramos, Chris Pacello, John Cassidy, Terry Dotson, Glenn Fabry, and Sam Keith join the usual gang of idiots next month in the pages of Mad Magazine number 472. The artist will illustrate lesser-known supervillains, which profiles evildoers including the Yakmaster, Dr. Umbridge, the Clarinetist, and Professor Generico. We wanted this comic book villains article to be as authentic as possible, said mad editor John Ficara. So we went out and found the most sinister and evil comic book artist working today. Mad number 472 is solicited in the September previews and is scheduled to arrive in stores on November 1st. Entertainment Weekly is featuring a special seven-page preview of Action Comics number 844 on their website, EW.com. This is the first issue by the new creative team of writers Jeff Johns and Richard Donner and artist Adam Kubert. 
Action Comics Last Son, in which Soups goes all mother hen after the feds discover a new Kryptonian boy on Earth. The folks at DC Comics have recruited Richard Donner, director of 1978 Superman, to join forces with writer, one-time Donner assistant, Jeff Johns, and artist Adam Kubert. Action Comics number 844 is solicited in the August previews and is scheduled to arrive in stores on October 25th. Dark Horse Comics will release The Art of Making 300 in January, before the Warner Brothers feature film release based on Frank Miller's graphic novel in March. The Art of Making 300 will include behind-the-scenes full-color images with 200 pages of production photos and concept art. It comes as a 9x12 trade paperback and will retail for $24.95. Dark Horse has also issued an updated hardcover version of the 300 graphic novel, which uses the logo from the movie on its cover. That title is currently available and retails for $30. The 300 series, featuring the collaboration of Frank Miller with artist Lynn Varley, won five Eisners, including a Best Limited Series, a Best Writer Slash Artist, and Best Colorist. Alias Comics has announced that they will be changing their publishing plan, this time to focus their efforts in and around the Christian market. The company underwent a full restructuring in November of 2005, with founder Brett Berner purchasing a majority of the company's shares in order to take control of the company's financial records. The move allowed Alias to reportedly be financially independent, operating solely off the income generated by its comics and properties. We're going all Christian, says Mike Miller. It's just obvious that Alias needs to do this, and all the time and effort that goes into publishing other people's work for the secular market is taking time and effort away from the work where Alias is finding the most success financially as well as spiritually. The list of soon-to-be-homeless secular titles also includes some of Miller's own work, including Lullaby, The Imaginaries, and Six-Gun Samurai. The long-running case of the state of Georgia versus Gordon Lee has gone back to court for hearings on motions. This is the second such hearing in a case that has run for nearly two years, seeing three arraignments and at least two sets of facts all arising from the same 2004 incident. To date, the comic book legal defense fund has spent roughly $70,000 defending Gordon Lee's case. Louise Mills of Marshall, Missouri, has requested that two graphic novels, Fun Home by Allison Bechtel and Blankets by Craig Thompson, be removed from the Marshall Public Library because she feels that those books are inappropriate. Mills has filed forums with the library to request the removal of the books. In response, the Marshall Public Library Board of Trustees held a public hearing at 7 p.m. Wednesday, October 4th to hear a request to remove material from the library. Marshall Public Library Director Amy Crump said that almost any book in the library can be seen as offensive to someone. Anytime a person or one group of people are allowed to mandate what information is available to an entire community, you find yourself on a slippery slope of censorship, Crump said. The hearing lasted the full two hours allotted, and over 20 Marshall and Saline County citizens were able to make their voices heard. Less than one quarter were in support of the library's decision to put the two books on the shelves. Wright wrapped up the hearing by letting those assembled know that the library board welcomes the opinions of the public. 
We listen to every word. We are open-minded, and we do care and want the library to be the best it can be, Wright said. A decision on what actions to take on the issue will be made during the next library board meeting on Wednesday, October 11th at 7 p.m. The meeting will be open to the public. Ellison Diodato on Thunderbolts. At the end of Civil War No. 4, the comics world saw the shocking formation of a brand new team of Thunderbolts, comprised of some of the most evil supervillains in the Marvel Universe. But these aren't the only new members of the team. Starting with Thunderbolts No. 110, Warren Ellis and Mike Diodato will be coming on board to tell the story of this all-new, all-deadly squad. They're the all-new, all-deadly Thunderbolts making the world safer for ordinary people and one would-be costumed hero at a time. In the wake of Civil War, Warren Ellis and Mike Diodato present a dark and disturbing take on Marvel's Most Wanted, where the line between hero and villain is difficult to find, if it even exists at all. These have been your top headlines. For the full version of these and other stories, go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics news, reviews, and opinions. Those are your top headlines for the week. Uh, coming from the top, looks like Dark Horse is going to release a, a line of and some collections of some manga. So <clears throat> manga, oh boy. Fa- manga fans rejoice. More more graphic materials, better. Graphic New, uh, novel material. They're doing OEL stuff, too, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. I, I, I'm just not a manga fan, but I'm going to try. You, know, I, well, you got I should, the challenge. I got the Stephanie Mangle challenge coming. So, uh, she's sending me five manga books that mm-hmm. she guarantees I'll like at least one, one of them. them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, and I well, sent her the, five books. The, the, the way you have to think about it is, you sent her five things that you think, obviously, one of them she'll like. One oh, of them yeah. she'll like. So I think you will end up liking one of them. Because, I probably will. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest about. It. I'm, you know, I, I, the biggest thing with manga with me, and I think I put this on the forum today was, it's not that it's bad in any way it's just the way that it's because mostly it's translated from japanese it you can't loses, get past the trans you can't, I can't get, get past, past the it because it loses so much subtlety and i'm a big fan of like well we'll see i bet you will like one yeah. I, well, I, i'm sure i will yeah. i'm sure i will but i sent her five books that if she doesn't like she's you know a dummy <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it's good i think it's really cool that you guys have done that because i think <clears> people People get so up on, like, I don't like this or I don't like right. that. And they've never read well, whatever they're talking about. You know, uh, She wrote a really, she she kind of put it in her article this month for, mm-hmm. for Ed Silver Hey, Supergirl yeah. at Silver Bullet. And, and she put it in a great context of, you know, it, it, that's what comics should be about, expanding, you know, what you're used to and what, you, you know, you challenging You can just like it once you read it and don't like it. Well, yeah, I mean, you yeah. don't have to like it just because everybody else does, but that doesn't mean you don't no. have to hate it just because... There's no harm in trying something. Sure. Especially Which I wish more people would do. If you mm-hmm. listen to Jimmy Palmiotti, try Jonah Hex. There you go. There you go. Even way, to, way, like to, way to bring it back home, Tom. It's got way a DC thing. It's not even that big of a stretch. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> you know? Warren Ellis is going to come to San Diego in 2007. 
Not right. to San Diego, but to the Comic-Con. Oh, he go, he's going to a restaurant. Uh, first time in ten years. Nice. Yeah. So it's, uh, he was at Heroes Con this Great. past year. Well, Everyone went bonkers because he was there. He's, so. he's awesome. Great writer. Yeah. So good for him. That's I've, cool. I've, I've, he stays away because he gets, he's, you know, he's become one of those figures that is, he has a big cult following, you know. People yeah. are obsessive about Warren Ellison. I think it scares him a little bit when he's faced with it publicly. <laughs> oh, yeah. sure, sure. <clears throat> it's I, I he's totally a, understand. Yeah. It's he can't come to a con and, and you know walk around. And right. The big news story today that came out is that he's doing Thunderbolts. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's way to jump ahead there. With Tom. Oh, oh, that's an. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So, let's go ahead and talk about it. I was going to say, Bastards at Marvel. I've never bought Thunderbolts except for no, the one, Civil yeah. War, and now they put Ellis on it, and now i got to buy it. It's actually a pretty good book. I know, and yeah. but there there are there are a thousand really good books out there, and I only have so much money. Well, you know... Uh, well, if you'd stop buying Witchblade. <coughs> I stopped buying <laughs> well, Witchblade. Well, there you go. Then you can buy... And it actually wasn't that bad <clears throat> at the end. Well, you know, well, here's the thing is... Wouldn't you... <laughs> I would so much rather complain about that. There's so many books I'd rather read right now than mm-hmm. and complain about the fact that I have nothing to read. Oh, sure, you sure. Know? So it's yeah, just one the more... Thing, the thing you have to understand, too, is just because his name... And just because Warren Ellis is writing it doesn't mean it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't... Not everything he writes is, is, good. is great. I mean, there's you stuff that... You can try it, you know. Most everything he writes is good, but, mm-hmm. you know... It might not be good. But I'll give it... I'll, I'll give it... But, but they've put an, uh, <clears throat> a writer on a book that I really didn't care about the book, and I'm like, ah, oh, now i got to buy it. Yeah, See, well, that's what that's, they do. That's what they do. Ah, oh, bastards. All right. Um, How about this writer, Greg Hurwitz, writing uh, uh, Fool Killer for Marvel, mm-hmm. the uh, the author, award-winning novelist. Um, Did you guys pick who, up the, the Max? Yeah, pre- he was, uh, wasn't it Meltzer that got him into doing comics? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah that's, in, that's in the story. They were at a signing, and... and, and then he like, stabbed yeah. Meltzer in the back and ran over to the Marvel booth? <laughs> Something like oh. that. Well, if he's anything anything like a uh, uh, Meltzer, I'll definitely check gonna, out. And it's going to be in the in the Max yeah. line, it is which Max will be time. interesting. Full killer in a in a Max title well, that should be Max. Kinda. The the whole Max line at Marvel is changing. They that's why they put out that that preview yeah. is that they're really I don't I don't want to say rebooting the Max line, but it's they that kind of, it's all changing. I feel like they kind of let it. Is it are they pussified? They didn't it? care. No. They kind of just let it go and didn't really. Take advantage, I think, of the line previously. They had things that fell into Max, mm-hmm. but I don't think they branded it. It was like all, they didn't uh, you know, uh, Squadron Supreme that screwed up Max line, I think. <laughs> they had that book in the Max line, and then yeah. it was selling so well that they wanted to try and yeah. make it sell more. Mm-hmm. And so then, well, I think it, I know. think this will be a really good attempt <clears throat> for them to really brand it as something like really aggressive. Well, like kind of what, what I'm saying is that it's not. Punisher Max or Nick Fury Max, it's just Max or yeah. it's 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 Max and it it really is feeling like they're trying to make their Vertigo line now and not with yeah I with mean if Marvel you like iconic characters it's like it, instead of being like if you like the Punisher you'll like this even more it's like if you mm-hmm. like this Max book you'll like this other Max book where previously I think that didn't translate quite as well right. in the Max books it wasn't necessarily such a clean it was like move the dirty stepchild of of the yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They just didn't brand yeah. it like Vertigo has done so well, you know. Yeah, and well, Vertigo has really become its own entity. Yeah. Uh, Love and Capes is coming back for a special holiday issue. Uh, have you guys checked out Love and Capes? 
before. I was on the website checking it yeah. out, and number one's available on there. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and that's that's you know why I thought it was good and very accessible for for listeners to check out because <coughs> you can go to www.loveandcapes.com. I love humor and, and check that that well, entire first issue out. If you like humor, the next story you're gonna love. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, the Mad Magazine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a uh, that is a ridiculously talented group of yep. people they have on that. Well, it's all the you know DC guys that. Or is it Which I've always thought was kind Mad, of... Mad's owned by DC, right? Yeah. The same. I've always thought it was interesting that Mad never really has dug into that as much as they should have, like, in a way. like Yeah, they always stayed with the Lampoon, you know, kind of... Or, I mean, Mad has always been... They've always had extremely, <coughs> really, actually, really good artists yeah. doing their stuff that have always captured this sort of humor side. But I always thought, since it became aware to me that... They're owned by the same people as DC. I've always been like, why haven't they just, you know, asked someone from DC to do something one time? Do because, some ad stuff and yeah, just, because you know. sometimes humor even works even better if you don't have, you have good, you know, you have these people that are very good, like Sergio or you right. have your, you know, your various people that do that sort of humor style. What if you brought someone in that wasn't a humor style but wrote a funny story involving it, you know, like sort of stretch things out? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually, To and, and <coughs> I think you'd get people to come over from the comic side. Which I, I think that's why this that's is what this, really yeah, cool yeah. With, with, with yeah. Mignola, Kevin Nolan, Humberto Ramos, Bacello, John Cassidy, Terry Dotson, Glenn Fabry, and Sam Keith. I think yeah. I'm going to pick that issue When I was up. a kid... Um, I bought Mad Magazine religiously, and a lot of my knowledge of old movies is based not upon <laughs> actually seeing the movies, but reading the Mad Magazine. I think, I, if I remember correctly, it was Mad Magazine that really got me into comics, actually. I think that I was reading <coughs> Mad before I was reading comic books. And That's probably true for me. Yeah. Uh, about the same time for me. But I, I, I think it was right before I started, and, it, and it, that's kind of transitioned me. Yeah. Oh, there was some great stuff in Mad Magazine when you're <laughs> still 12, doing 10, 12. Well, another magazine <clears throat> is Entertainment Weekly. And no, 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 no. Is that the Entertainment Weekly? What's the Entertainment Weekly theme? That's Entertainment Tonight. Oh. <laughs> I get them all confused. That is a television show. <laughs> it's different from a magazine. Oh. But they're actually going to have a seven page preview of Action Comics number 844. That's the Jeff Johns, Richard Donner. Yeah, issue. yeah. Uh, Entertainment Weekly is a very comic-friendly magazine. Yeah. They have become so. It's, they they do a lot of comic book stuff, especially on their website. I'm I always seeing reviews or uh, creator interviews that well, kind of uh, stuff through Entertainment Weekly. Justice League number Justice League of America number two had a big blurb from Entertainment Weekly on the top of it saying, you know, how awesome. Are they owned by DC? Maybe Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> I don't think. Nah, yeah, maybe. maybe I don't know. Warner, Warner Brothers. Well, Warner, 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 Warner Brothers yeah, might yeah, own yeah. this probably now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, Entertainment Weekly is. I, I feel has become even more aggressive about covering <clears throat> comics. I think it's kind of cool that John's, you know, because he, he interned for Donner um, for, for yeah. years, and then now he's, you know, he's he they, he said they always talked about doing a, yeah. doing a story. He always had another Superman story, and and so he kind of convinced him. But I thought the interesting thing was he calls him Dick, Dick Donner, Dick Donner, Donner. Richard. He calls him Dick Donner. Well, it's, it's one Dick of those Donner. things where um, I think when you read the people talk about it and when they're 
really excited about it, you can kind of get excited about it when, because you can tell when a writer's like, oh, I just got to sign this and it'll be okay. Right. You know, <laughs> and then you have writers who are like, oh, just, you know. Yeah, like, you got to get this out. Up, I have to get this out of my head. You can pick up the enthusiasm yeah. from what Well, Donner, doing. I mean, you know, you look at the first two Superman films, especially the first one, I mean, it's still, you know, he told a better Superman story than... 75, 80% of comic books that have ever been published, you know, and and made that character more iconic than I think anything else. He, he took Superman and he took all the funny and fun parts of it, but didn't make it ridiculous and didn't right. make it laughable. Yeah. You know, which I, I think is really great. And while they're saying this isn't supposed to be Superman 3 or, or Superman Returns, it... <laughs> I think if you read between the lines, it kind of may be. So. Yeah, yeah their uh, spin on it. Uh, Dark Horse, more Dark Horse news. Not not manga, but movies. They're going to be releasing The Art of Making 300 this coming January. And uh, uh, it'll be twenty four ninety five. I think we've lost Frank Miller from the comic book world, man. He's he's all Hollywood now. And that looks amazing. amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, the 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 movie I got guys that I are like you know real <coughs> rare com I mean they don't read comics or stuff but see have seen the trailer of that thing and are all three hundred looks really cool oh yeah I mean it it looks like the book I mean it's unbelievable how you know they're doing a Sin City with it you know it's it's very real very uh, faithful. The mm-hmm. book, so. And uh, and actually, Dark Horse has already issued the uh, the updated uh, hardcover version of the 300 graphic novel. So you got uh, 30 bucks to drop on that. Uh, high high recommendation. So. For 30 bucks, yeah, I'll pick it up. It's uh, 13 by 10, 88 full page color. <laughs> uh, next three stories are all all kind of kind of interesting here. The first one is Alias Comics and their announcement <coughs> that they are no longer going to produce secular comics. Interesting, because when I hear the term, I'm going to publish Christian comics, I wonder what really counts. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, what is it? And it's not It's not like me being like, oh, Alias Comics, we're going to become all really... It's like a curious thing to me to have a genre... <coughs> necessarily completely when, you know, Superman is the ultimate messiah figure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's kind of what struck me. It's like, well, what does that mean for the books? How are they changing the books? I don't even under, it, and And one of the things that I got from the, the original article was uh, Brett, I can't think of his, his last name, the the owner of Alias. Uh, Burner. Burner. He, he had, you know, kind of cited, as he was saying, well, there's a lot of great literature and, and stories that were told in this form, in Christian literature. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned C.S. Lewis's The the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the or Chronicles, Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles Narnia, sure. And when I read that, I'm like, wow. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I loved those books. I read them, you know, uh, half a dozen times each. And... Yeah, I never connected that with a Christian book. Now, as an adult, I can look at it and go, yeah, it certainly has Christian themes mm-hmm. in there, but it also has pagan themes and, you know, Greek mythology and, you know, a lot of different themes in it. And I know that C.S. Lewis was a very religious man and a Christian um, later on in his life, but I never looked at it like he was intentionally 
trying to produce something that was Christian per se. No, as now, opposed now to I do stuff like the screw tape letters or um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the other one that kind of the companion piece to screw tape letters, but. Um, yeah, they, it wasn't an out-and-out out Christian work. And I think with, with Alias, probably what they're trying to trying to say is that they're, they're programming, so to speak, you know, to, to use a TV term, is going to be more Christian value. It's going to be... I, I, I just picture it being more like <coughs> Seventh Heaven well, that's, comics. That's what I kind of... Yeah. That's what kind of... <coughs> I don't want to say it disturbs me, but it, that's what I kind of sit there and go, hmm, because it's like now we're actively going to promote a certain sort of moral values in our comic books. Well, I think I think and this is just my gut reaction to it is that they're probably looking at more of a distribution than um, than a creative. You know, if you say, you know, Alias comics are are Christian comics, now you've opened that up to send comic books to every Christian bookstore in in the country, every yeah. large-scale Church, you know, Christian church, which have bookstores in them. They're making a, they're making a, it's a branding decision. It, it I is, mean, that's and it's like our our comics are approved to sell in your business, and it's, and a, and a company the size of Alias to switch gears and say, okay, we have trouble getting into comic shops in the existing distribution um, uh, mechanics model. that the model that's out there, but there's this whole other book distribution system that just by saying that we are Christian comics, then we're almost guaranteed to get into at least well, half geez, of that. I think, more nefarious I, think part of, I think part of the problem is that we wish pu- you know, comic book publishers weren't so mercenary. <laughs> you know, like, I think, I think that is it. I How about just write good comics? And, I think that's, know, I think, I, don't know. I think that's the part <clears> that <throat> maybe might disturb people is they don't want to imagine that whatever company they like buying or they buy one book from them that they could switch because they think they'll make more money selling because everyone wants to imagine everything in comics is a labor of love and a lot of it is but a lot of times it's sometimes but from the publishing kind of side from the creation side of think yes from the from publishing, publishing side, side they they have to they yeah. have to make money you know, I, I think it's, but i think that's uh, the revere guys because that's an alias book and oh wow, you're right, um, uh, Ed Lavely and uh, and Grant Bond. Uh, I tell you what, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the next two stories. Are really about censorship and morals and values yeah. and all that stuff. First of all, uh, what are you afraid to talk about these issues? Chris? I'm not afraid <laughs> to talk about these issues, but I don't want I don't want to come off as being far left or far right because I'm neither. I am far left, and I. <laughs> <laughs> Not afraid to say. Not afraid. You know, well, I think a lot of comic. Yeah. I think a lot of comic fans get thrown into this pile of oh, comic fans are all liberals. Yeah. And not that that's a bad word because I'm a Democrat. I'll say it. You yeah. know. Just not a liberal. Um. I don't want <laughs> my. I don't. How does this? Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't want my <laughs> arguments to be automatically dismissed because I'm thrown into the pile of all comic fans are. Well, that's why liberals. we need to talk about it. Yeah. But we don't have. We're basically all liberals here, and there's no one that's going to give the dissenting argument of well, you know what? There's I smut can. in comic books. Oh, I books think you may be surprised, my friend. Well, you just like to argue. No, but I. That may be true, but that's not necessarily always my opinion. Is just like the liberal view. Well, I think here's the thing. I think 
there's a, <coughs> especially with the library case, there's a compelling argument for community standards right. with libraries. But I also think there, I mean, it's interesting, because last week we had a big discussion about the, the Dracula, mm -hmm. the Tomb of Dracula yeah. thing. And I think there's an interesting line between these stories and the Tomb of Dracula about who is doing the censorship and who is saying that you can't read it. Right. Because I think a library is a place of sort of, edu you know, like, <laughs> you know what I almost said? Edutainment. <laughs> of education. Like and I think the only thing that concerns me really about the, the library case is the idea that people think that sort of education has to be like they don't want to be challenged at all but i think that's a library is a place for that and it's not like blankets <coughs> is but at the shelf same time, next to Bernstein bears but at the same you know? time a community has the right to like police their own community don't they yeah but what if you're what if it's 51 to 49% and the 49% want to be able to read blankets or the you know communist manifesto or you live in America, that's man, the, and that's, that's democracy. So they have to leave. Wait, so they have to leave. There's nothing saying that those 51% of the people that want that don't want their kids to read it couldn't just go with their kids to the library or couldn't ask for those books to be shelved in a mature reader section. Certainly. Or and, 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 all those, yeah. and all those issues came up in that story. I'm just saying, you know, it's like it, it, there's... To me, there a lot of times, like you were talking about with censorship, it's like... Immediately, a story like this ignites opinions about, well, you know, it's art or it's, you know, it's this or that and the other, or, you know, it has the right to be there, the freedom of speech and all these different issues. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? If you live in a town and that town decides they want to take that out of their library, they have every right to do so, regardless of what I think living, you know, in Chicago, what I think should or shouldn't be in a library. They have the right to do that. But what is what is the purpose of a library? Is the purpose of the library it's to be the Barnes the and Noble? No, it's or the people of the community. community. It's blankets. What books are in the Barnes and Noble? What books are in any bookstore well, in that's, that town? That's retail. Do they go? Do they go and demand that you take any? Sometimes. Sometimes. I don't know. You tell me what a library is for. Well, like I said, I don't. You tell me if the library is supposed I'd, to be for. You're telling me that 50.1% of people vote, and that means I can't go get blankets out of the library? The library serves me because I pay taxes. It serves your community, not just you as an individual. We don't live in it a serves, It serves... <laughs> we don't. Well, but that's what a, that's what a local library... But the a library town, of you, you it, ser do. it serves So you know what you do? So everyone has to move into a town where everyone agrees with them to get <clears> the books they want out of the library? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, no. Is that I, what we've come down to? Is that that's that? Is that the well, that's, only solution? That's lo that's how local government works, though. You live so in a you community. So you can't just and tell me that you're going to put blankets in a mature reader section, and some kid is going to wander through and about get it. Well, rationales yeah, of what okay, you're going to do okay, in, but, in your. But you just said that if 50.1 percent of the readers want blankets to be out of the library, then that's the community decision. Okay, but here's the next, yeah. and here's the next step there. But it's also and, a library, and, and, it's and it's just like the Gordon Lee case is that a comic basically got into the hands of a minor that it probably shouldn't have. All right, but if you take blankets and you put it in the library and it leaves the mature reader section and it gets misshelved somewhere else in the library is the library then liable for uh, having smut or whatever why even have a library then? why yeah. even have anything beyond 
children's books at that point. Why challenge because anyone's people are ideas? crazy, Tom. And you know what? There's no there's no answer that we're gonna I mean, get. Like, to. The good, the good yeah. thing is though, if you read the if you read the there story, people that, yeah. the people in the library and the people in the community are, are they don't all agree with this one woman. This is one mm. woman who is saying. I want this she, removed. The, like the things she said were really legitimate. Like CD people will be moving into yeah, the town. Yeah, like, yeah. That's just she's obviously crazy. But at the same time, and like I said, I'm not talking about necessarily she, this. She, she, ra- she ran case. out of Family Feud. But I don't always agree with like you know a library should carry porn because that's what the you know that's what one guy in the community wants. No, but he, that's what thing. that's the same point though. You 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 may be one person in, in the community or. Forty-eight percent or forty-nine point nine percent. But of the wait, community. so you're saying the library should carry porn if fifty-one percent of people mm. in the community wanted it? Yes. Yes. All right then. Great. <laughs> I'm going to move to that town. Well, the that's, fact that that's no, the, the thing is, people want to say there's no difference between blankets and pornography is bullshit. There is. Oh, there is. To say, to say that there is Absolutely no line between. Absolutely, there is. I don't disagree with that. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. If you can't tell the difference, and this, then and this, and that's the that's where argument. common that's where common sense comes in. And a lot of times, the people that are like so, you know, violently opposed to something like blankets, they don't have the common sense of being there able is. to look at it. Well, and I, go, I will. This al- isn't smut. This I will isn't almost guarantee you that Louise Mills did not and has not read blankets. Oh, I guarantee not. she hasn't spent much she time in no the idea. library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're probably not, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, I, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt that this is a ridiculous case. Yeah. I was just bringing up the point that it's not always, that it's not. No, and I, I, there's ro- there is room for compromise. You know, but I also think there's. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean. Yeah, there's a place my, my favorite, room. my favorite one, and this is another. I don't, I'm not, I'm not one of the people that just think that everything should be available to everyone. Just because that's. Un, you know, that's, that's no, what. Uh, sent I, guess, anarchy. I guess yeah, that, the counter like, argument, though, would also be. That a lot of times when people make that argument, though, a lot of people use that to say, if not everything should be available to everyone, then we should get to decide everything that's available. I mean, because a lot of times people make the argument, but they never draw a line at any point and say, this is where... And I'm not saying that's true about you. I'm just saying people... I hear a lot of people make that argument, and they never say the point where they're willing to say... Well, I'll I'll say the point of how the Constitution... Or not the... But how Congress has drawn the line, that... You know, pornography is something that has no artistic merit. That's yeah. pretty easy to judge by something. You I know mean, it when you see it. That's right, exactly. If you <laughs> masturbated to it, it's <laughs> pornography. Has anyone masturbated to blankets? I, I think that's the I hope not. I <laughs> fucking hope not. Uh, I can't wait till Lost Girls gets uh, gets in the, uh, challenge. the Missouri That library. will be interesting. That ain't ever getting down there. No, that's true. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um... Oh, and that is pornography. It just might be well-written pornography, <laughs> yeah, but it, it is, is pornography. pornography. Uh, uh, True. Uh, Gordon Way, do we want to talk about the, the other... Um, He's uh, back in court again. We've talked about this previously. Go to CDB, yeah. CDBLF if you want. He's kind of getting dicked over. Good luck. In a related story, I'd actually seen this on a, on a uh, forum, may have been our forum, uh, about the... Uh, uh, the library deal that there was actually a guy who has uh, made a, uh, a a protest or filed paperwork to get Fahrenheit 51 thrown out of a library for book burning. He wants yeah. no no <laughs> he wants yeah. to burn it. No, it yeah. he, he wants it thrown out of the library because it, it contains foul language. Fahrenheit 51, which is a Four book doing, yeah. about people burning books. books. And so I just thought the the irony. See, was, that's the thing with these I don't things. know. That's the thing with these things is that. Too often it gets 
put into a situation where either you completely agree with it or you don't agree with it. And no one ever wants to draw a line, but realistically, in real life, you draw I, a line. I will. Draw me a line. I'll, you know what? Send it to me. I'll make the decision. <laughs> decide. Just make me emperor of, I mean, like, the, all artistic content. I mean, that's the tough... That's the... Well, that's real life, so yeah. whatever. Send it to Jimmy Palmiotti. He'll tell you He'll if tell it's you. porn or not. <laughs> it's not enough nips. <laughs> not enough nibbles. It's cold in New York. <laughs> All right. Um, Ellis on Thunderbolts. We oh, we already talked about, about, about that. We already talked about that. We're done. done. That's the news. All right. That's the news, everyone. Now it's time for Top of the Stack. Top. Top. Of top the Stack. Of the Stack. Of the stack. That's right. It's top of the stack. Our chance to let you, the listener, know what we, the panel, have been reading for the last week. Top of the stack is brought to you by Athena Voltaire, the collected web comics, coming in December from Ape Entertainment. What mysteries lurk in a monastery hidden in the Himalayas, and who or what protects those secrets? And why is the daughter of Dracula after Athena Voltaire? This 96-page trade paperback collects the entire run of the Eisner Award-nominated online adventures for the first time ever in print, as well as sketches, pinups, and more. Planetary slash Authority co-creator Warren Ellis describes the pulp-inspired series as if The Mummy and Van Helsing were actually, you know, good. Athena Voltaire, the collected webcomics, is available from Diamond Distributors and can be ordered with the following code, OCT063122. All four issues of the first Athena Voltaire miniseries, Flight of the Falcon, can also be ordered through Diamond. Athena Voltaire, high adventure takes flight this December. So, thank you, Steve Bryant, and everyone at Athena Voltaire. Uh, I love Steve Bryant. He is a good guy. That's Steve Bryant. He emails me like every other day. Just he, he listens to the show and it, there'll be something. He keeps bitching at me because every time I talked, I, I, we talked to Brubaker and then I talked to Rucka and both times I was pitching him the Invader stuff and neither time did I pitch them him as the artist. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll do it. I'll do what it. What a dick move. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'll do it. Don't worry, Steve. That's my. Well, that's phase can, uh, two of the plan. He <laughs> can he can submit his art to uh, Jimmy Palmier. Jimmy Palmier. Yeah. I'm I'm sure he'll do that Monday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, who would like to go first with their top of the stack? I'll go first. Go as, for it. As is traditional. Go talk. You got um, some porn you're reading? Yes. From your library? From my library. <laughs> Check this out from the library. 51% of my community decided that Playboy <laughs> was a book. Um, I picked The Other Side from Vertigo by Jason Aaron and Cameron Stewart. Uh, it is a Vietnam War book, which actually is also the only book I've ever read where I hated for the first four pages, four or five pages, and then something happened that completely changed the way I thought about it. Um, this book very much starts off as pretty much a uh, full metal jacket, but in comic book with a Vietnamese guy. Boot and camp or post-boot camp? Boot camp. Oh. It kind of goes that way. And then at a certain point, um, I don't think, uh, this won't spoil anything, because this, I think it would be really hard. Everyone knows how Vietnam ends up. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, like we're not happy about it. So it's not, this isn't a real happy book, so I don't think I'm going to spoil anything. But, uh, but the guy all of a sudden well. sees like a, you know, he just he sees a ghost of a soldier and his gun starts talking to him and his gun starts telling him stuff like, I want to fuck you in the ass <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, that was enough for me to be like, wow, this is really interesting. I'm going to give this to my library. But also, this book <laughs> could very much completely <laughs> fall apart within one issue. Oh, great. Like this, but I don't know. I'm really intrigued. I read it twice and I was like, yeah, I do kind of like this. But this book is... 
walking that very thin line right now where it could become really cliche or really out there and miss it, you know, miss all, everything it could do. But right now it's doing it really well. So How many, this first it's a issue, miniseries, It's right? like five issues. Five issues. So it's got plenty of time. To it's just got plenty completely. of time to completely fall apart. <laughs> but this first issue I enjoyed. It was unsettling. And the art was really good, and it showed us... Crap, I wasn't going to pick it up, because I have, like, no interest in a Vietnam it story took for me, some reason. It, sh- it showed me if, uh, just enough that I was like, this is really interesting. It, the first four pages, I was like, I already... I saw Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, this is boring. And then it, it showed that it used comic books, actually. It used the comic book medium properly. It wasn't just a rehash of a movie, and it showed me something. It showed talking maggots, and I was like, okay, and it showed a, like, a word balloon coming up from a gun, and I was like, okay, well, this is really a comic book. This isn't just a rehash of but a But at movie. the end of those four pages, movie. did you go online and start bitching about no, it? No, I put it down, and I was like, <laughs> God, this is boring. I watched Project Runway. And then at the end of it, I picked it All up again. All credibility lost. And I picked it up again, and I started reading I'm like, What oh, is your wait. fascination with Project Runway? My girlfriend Runway. likes it, and I'm hooked. <laughs> I'm telling you. Telling oh, you if if, J- if Jason Aaron was listening to this podcast, he just <laughs> yeah. he just you call me a panty sniffer. <laughs> we actually met Jason. <laughs> we guy. actually uh, met Jason in Wizard World. Really, really nice Who's guy. Who's he? We had lunch with him. Who is he? He wrote. He wrote it. it. Oh, oh, that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Jason, I that's was going to steal his book. pizza. So that's the book he was working on. Yeah, Jason, con- congratulations. Oh, now I, de- I definitely have to. Evaluate. You walked. You've, you're walking currently a very thin line between <laughs> being and good. Well, between being um, way out there and being really trite, and you've done a really good well, job is, so far of not. This is uh, this is one. one of the Kansas City guys. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I Jason yeah whenever, uh, whenever uh, okay. we were talking to uh, Andy, Andy Parks a couple weeks ago, um, and and Andy wasn't able to talk with us because he was out with Tony Moore and Jason Latour and Jason Aaron. Oh, so right, that's all one of those Kansas City guys. All right, um, uh, Sal, you, I, I tell you, I'll go. Go ahead, uh, do you, it. Let you finish up. Do it. Uh, this do week, it. speaking of oh, speaking of Andy Parks, uh, this week was the debut issue of the Irredeemable Ant Man by Robert Kirkman, Phil Hester, and Andy Parks, and this is uh, not uh, not your father's Ant Man. This is uh, not the not the Hank Pym Ant Hank Pym. Ant Man. <laughs> My father thought comic books were for fags. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your dad's Hank Pym. <laughs> no, actually, actually uh, he kind of liked comic books. I'm just kidding. Actually, uh, <laughs> H- Hank Pym is in the book. He's working with Shield to develop their Ant Man new Ant Man suit. <laughs> in between beating his wife, or uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But, uh, Let's pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> so, okay, that was right. Kind of, no. uh, <laughs> uh, what I Mind what I liked about was. this, and and Tom, you can probably join in because I think you you enjoyed this also. I did. What I liked about it is that <laughs> what very, am I chopped liver? Did, have you read it? Yeah, I read okay, it. Okay, well, let's all talk about it. What what I what yeah. I liked about it. This is a different look at inside Shield that we usually don't get. Shield is usually Nick Fury and then a bunch of guys with guns and jetpacks. Yeah, and blue suits. And this really looks, you know, inside the helicarrier. I love the uh, poker scene. The, oh, when yeah. they were playing poker, that was a great, just a conversation Nick. about Nick Fury <laughs> being a, a myth. Nick Fury <laughs> ain't real, man. Um, which that would happen on the helicarrier. These guys, there would be all different... Um, ranks and guys that have crap jobs, even though they're shield agents and they're working their way up through the ranks, and it'd be like any other bureaucratic, you know, oh, it'd be like any military. Other, yeah. 
organization. They're going to get like together. The they're they're, they're going to play poker. <laughs> yes. They're going to talk about this or that. We blows. <laughs> and, uh, and and basically, the characters that we get introduced to are um, a couple friends. It's Chris and Eric are seem to be the two main characters, and you get to see. Chris's uh, relationship that he has with another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and then there's this whole Ant-Man project that they kind of stumble across. So, And, and I, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And Hester's art, I think we're seeing him flex some different muscles than he did in, in Green Arrow or, or Nightwing, and uh, yeah, I like it. Cool. Uh, can, can I tell you a funny story? I'm sorry, the whole uh, Weeblos and Girl Scout thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, it, it where are we going? It not the comics or anything, but... I killed a Boy no, Scout no, 10 uh, years ago. I, I used to... I, the, the place I work at uh, used to have, like, this... Every year, it was like 12 people would send their kids in to sell Girl Scout cookies. Uh, like, every year. It was yeah, the same. It was like, same and it, it just got to the point where I'm like... I. I can't afford to buy Girl Scout cookies from every, you know, everyone's kid. It just, you know. Do you so make them all download the podcast? <laughs> no, but I. Yeah, well, then well, fuck well, them. Once I, I told a, a kid that I couldn't buy Girl Scout cookies from her because I didn't believe in the paramilitary organization. <laughs> like it's a nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> and this kid just looks at me like, what? <laughs> All right. Um, my top of the stack is uh, I finally started working my way through the gigantic stack of stuff that I picked up from Wizard World Chicago months ago. And uh, this book I had actually read a little while ago, and I, I kept meaning to pick it because I really liked it. You told me about it. this. Um, it's, uh, it's called Strange Detective Tales, and it's uh, number one. It's from Odd God Press. Uh, and this is by a guy named Jesse Bausch and James Callahan. Um, it's it's just a funny. It's a black and white book, real thick paper. I'm not sure who printed, you know, where they had this printed, but the paper quality is really it's really heavy. Um, but I mean, that has nothing to do with the story. But it, the story basically is it's set in 1958 Hollywood, and it's a fantasy world where uh, different characters from classic horror movies. Uh, are sort of reimagined as if they came to Hollywood to sell their stories, and they did, but they thought they'd get rich and famous from it, and they didn't. They they end up kind of you know hard luck stories afterwards. And two, the two main characters are um, Doctor uh, uh, Volick, who is uh, uh, Igor from the Frankenstein fil- films, uh, Universal films, and then uh, Renfield from Dracula books and films and everything. And they decided, uh, after they you know, couldn't make any money in, in Hollywood, they decided to open up a detective agency investigating all the crimes and weird stuff from uh, the creeps, as they call it, all the other creeps that live in Hollywood. Uh, it, it's just a funny, really pretty book. Horrifically pretty. It's... it's um, <laughs> uh, the style, I, I have a hard time sort of describing it. It's um, very uh, sparse um, lines, real clean, um, almost like, I, I, not cartoonish at all, but um, just a different style. And the, the, there's a lot of humor in it, and um, the first story, the, the, it opens up with them uh, helping this lady and showing her pictures of her cheating husband, and it turns out he's cheating on another zombie, a fresher zombie, and then it goes from there <laughs> to um, to rent or to uh, to Igor um, 
being contacted by a friend who's, uh, his ex-girlfriend Mary has been missing. And he goes to try and find out um, where she's gone to, and, and you start to find out who she is. It seems that she, uh, it, I don't want to give it away, but Mary is, you can probably figure out who Mary is after reading the book a little bit. Um, but overall, it was just real fun, real cool idea. I thought just something really original, great art, and uh, there's two issues out now. If you go to their website, oddgodpress.com, there's actually uh, like a six or eight page preview online of it, and it's just really cool. I really liked it. Do I get to borrow it? Sure, absolutely. You know, that's the second time this has been a top of the stack. It was? Yeah. Who picked it before? Ian Levenstein. Oh, really? That was Ian's top of the stack oh, way I back. I think that was before Tom yeah. was a regular on the no, show. No, I was on that episode. Were you? That was before I was a regular. That was, uh, that was the, the Company Men episode oh, way back geez. when. But yeah, wow. Ian Ian picked that as the top of the stack. Oh, it's really good. I mean, it's you know, it's something completely different. It's out of left field. And I was, I mean, growing up, I was a huge fan of all those universal horror films. Mm-hmm. And so it's right up my alley. Um, but it's just, I, you I just thought the it was, most? Yeah, baby. <laughs> I just thought it was cool, and, and I wanted to give those guys some props. All right. You know, we actually have another top of the stack. <gasps> and From whom? It but is there's no one here. <laughs> there's no one here. <laughs> this is someone, this is, thank you so much, Trevor. This is the, the first person Trevor? To, uh, to take me up on the listener top of the stack and using our hotline. So this is from uh, Trevor in Canada. Hey, this is a hotline top of the stack for the week of October the 4th, 2006, and it's Trevor calling from Brampton, Ontario, Canada. My top of the stack this week is Doctor Strange, The Oath, the first in a five-issue limited series. It is good. Being written by... So good I couldn't buy it. Unfortunately, I have to flip pages now. Why did they never have the guys on the first page? Um, Brian K. Bond does the story. Marcus Martin does the art. It is inked by Alvaro Lopez, colored by Javier Rodriguez, and lettered by Willie Schubert. Um, It's it's, uh, pretty cool seeing Doctor Strange come back to the Marvel Universe. The last time he came back was in that uh, six-issue limited series done by Mr. Straczynski about a year or two years ago, and it was kind of a retelling and I wasn't overly that fond of it, and I'm a huge Doctor Strange fan. Forgive my uh, my fanboy moment there. Uh, the comic basically starts innocuously enough with um, Arania and Iron Fist <laughs> sitting in a uh, sort of looks like a walk-in clinic for superheroes that is run by this person known as the Night Nurse. And oh, um, she's shown up before. I love the Night Nurse. Wong basically <laughs> brings in Doctor Strange, having been shot. And uh, basically he gets operated on, and then the story develops. And uh, without giving away too many spoilers, please forgive me if I'm giving away any, um, you find out that there's a, that Wong has an incurable illness and that the doc is in the process of <clears throat> trying to uh, find a mystical solution to said illness, seeing as his surgical skills are no longer uh, viable. <laughs> And in the process, he comes across a, a rather, rather large, um, shall we say, cure. Um, Mr. Bendis has done a great job of basically um, reintegrating Doctor Strange into the into the fold. Um, I like how you know he did the obligatory, um, you know, here's my here's the the history of the character, but he did it in a two-page spread. 
which was basically all people really needed to know if they didn't know who Doctor Strange was, and not so much that those of us that are huge Doctor Strange fans and know exactly who Doctor Strange is um, can't uh, can't stand it. Um, the other cool element was the uh, the fact that a seemingly mundane guy was able to shoot the doctor. Uh, the specifics behind that are are very unique, and I'll leave it for uh, for you to read the comic to determine. And uh, it looks like a great beginning of a of a five issue uh, series. The uh, the cover art, I'm thinking, is kind of a retro thing to go back to, like the the 60s and 70s. Doc uh, has very much of that that very simple lineage and simple coloring and. When I looked at the cover, I wasn't overly impressed, but the uh, the interior artwork uh, keeps me intrigued enough. It's it's also it's not retro, but it certainly is fairly straightforward, and the coloring is very vivid and and clear cut, and there isn't a lot of uh, you know bleed or whatever. It looks it looks to be a good beginning, and I'm I'm, I'm really hoping that this five issue limited series uh, keeps along the same pace as it, it has started, and um, that uh, maybe it means that the doc may eventually come back. But, you know, there's only about eight of us that I think buy regular Doctor Strange comics, so they can't put a, a whole comic on that, despite my great joys. Anyways, thanks for the great podcast, guys, and uh, keep it up. That's my top of the stack. All right. Cool. Thank well, you. I know, Tom, Tom, you really liked... Uh, yeah, I did. I, I didn't don't like Doctor read. Strange. Yeah, and I, I thought it was great. Cool. Got it. Still have to read it this weekend. Yeah, thanks, Trevor, for listening and for, uh, for phoning in. That was And so, cool. see, if you have a top of the stack... Just call in. We'll it's not like it. we're getting tons of them and we're just like, I don't want to play them. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you guys to participate. Right. Um, speaking of call-ins and yes. uh, emails and <clears throat> whatnot, we do, do we have, have an email. Yeah, uh, I t- why don't you read the one from uh, Eric Houston? Alrighty, let me find it here from Eric Houston. Hey guys. Uh, congratulations on another great episode. I just thought I'd drop you a line to clue you in on that Tokyo dude and turtles all the way down. Okay, this is the guy. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering. Uh, the phrase is from Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Jeez, uh, I thought I had read that. In the book, <laughs> Hawking's, uh, Hawking tells a story about a famous scientist who gives a lecture about the Earth orbiting the sun. During the lecture, an old woman stands up and says, You, sir, are full of crap. Everyone knows the Earth is a flat plate. Balanced on the back of a giant tortoise. The scientist just smiled and said, Then what is the tortoise standing on? The woman replied, Why, it's turtles all the way down. What that has to do with anything, I have no idea. And of course, that dude from Tokyo could just be batshit crazy. <laughs> Eric Houston. Well, thank you, Eric, for explaining that. I'm amazed I didn't that, that was uh That was Ocean Druin's comment. Uh, on Frapper. On the Frapper yeah. map was all. And I had no idea down. what that meant. Uh, and I thought I had dirty. read that. Well, well, being yeah. the geeks that we were, it was like, was he talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles? I had no Did idea. Did Shredder ever say that to someone? Turtles all the way down. Mousers. And uh, here is our uh, here is our last uh, hotline listener voicemail for the for the episode. Chris, Sal, Tom, this is Stephen Orr, aka Stephen from the Boards. And I'm the host of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that smells like cheese. As a matter of fact, I'm actually recording this week's episode, episode number six, as I speak. And I wanted to take a moment while I was recording to just blatantly sell my show on your show. So come on, all you listeners, oh, it is shameless. Comics, take a <laughs> or 30, and check out justanotherfanboy.com for all your comic book and dry cleaning needs. 
So now I finish with my anti-stealth mission to take over your internet airwaves and return you back to the capable and surprisingly smooth hands of Chris, Sal, and even Tom, the disembodied voices of Around Comics. I really do love your show, guys. Thanks for taking the time out of your lives each week to sit in a comic book store and talk comics. Of course, regardless of the show, you guys would probably be doing that anyway, right? That's all I have. I dare you to play no. this. I double dog dare you. <laughs> I've never oh, yeah. stood and the listen to episode number six comic. at justanotherfanboy.com and hear me take up my listeners' time with me recording me, recording my voice for you and me. See ya. <laughs> you know, I was gonna take we that. Should call, we should call his show. I don't. I don't think he does a voicemail Fuck. thing yet. <laughs> Leave a message. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I was gonna take that that message, and I was just gonna bleep out every time he mentioned the name of his own show, just, just to fuck with him. For <laughs> 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 her. But thanks for listening. Thank and you, I, thank I, you, Steve. I, I, as I told him on the forums today, I said, you know, I just haven't had a chance to listen to his I show yet. Him. Have you? Yeah, it's good. good. Yeah. Huh. What's he do? What kind of? Uh, he talks he... about comic books. <laughs> just by himself. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's kind of sad. As we sit here at like 10.15 on a Friday night. Well, at least yeah. there's more that's than one of show. us, though. That's true. Now, I'm going to check it out this weekend, I promise. All right. Well, we've got uh, got another uh, listener email from Of course, Alex. I promised uh, From Chip, Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better be in doing that. In my opinion, the best decade for comics was in the 80s. I can name a lot of good books that came during that period from both DC and Marvel. Are you imagining this is what <laughs> yeah, Alex sounds I'm like? Guessing. The question is... What are your favorite titles, books from the 90s? I believe that it's a period where both Marvel and DC destroyed their characters. <laughs> I'm guessing he doesn't have any favorites. They're making comics interesting again. But what went wrong? Remember the Daredevil series when he changed costumes? I don't even want to remember the Heroes Reborn series, which I'm ashamed that I own. Or even waste my time bagging and boarding it. Uh, favorite titles books from the 90s? Uh, probably, I think it was the 90s. Uh, one of my favorite books was, uh, ongoing series was Archer and Armstrong from Valiant. I loved, I liked a lot of the stuff from Valiant, actually, in the 90s. Um, since then. You know, there was, well, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to go with, you know, the, obviously there were some real good stuff that came out in the 90s but I was trying to think most of the like stuff ongoing I bought, mo- most of the stuff I bought in the <clears> early <throat> 90s was crap and then I got out of comics until probably 98 so I you know I've got that whole you know white dead zone of comics there um I'm trying to remember the, I really liked the Mark Wade Flash in the 90s yeah. that was always one thing that was very consistent for me even when I'm, everything I'm else trying to, sucked I'm trying to think of what else when they were busy killing Superman um I think I might have liked... What was going on in Green Arrow in the 90s? I don't remember. I don't know. There was... Uh, there was the Mike uh, Walt Longbow Hunters. I mean, I started reading a lot 80s, of... Right? Late yeah, 80s. Yeah. Late 80s. Yeah. I think Justice League was okay. Very, well... Intermediate. like 90, 91, but... I'm, I'm trying... I mean, I was reading a lot more independent stuff. Yeah, like, the, the 90s was a great decade um, for comics. If you were not reading Marvel or DC, it was yeah. a great independent They killed decade. Superman. Yeah, that is they a did. great story. I'm not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> you just did. Oh, he comes back. <laughs> oh. They kill him and he comes back, but don't <laughs> worry. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else I was reading. Uh, mage. It's hard for me to remember what I was reading last week. Badger. Larry. Bill Reinhold's going to be here on Saturday. Yeah, I know. That's the guy I was talking about. You know, that would be a great discussion to have with Bill Reinhold because he was doing comics in the 90s? In the 90s, so yeah, that was sure, that was sure. uh, a decade where he was I don't know, I'm just getting a badger sketch, that's all I know. There you go. Larry. Uh, you know, I'd have to I'd have to go back and, and look at a lot of I stuff. I think, like, Nexus, that was 90s, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Mage. Love and Rockets. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't really reading it that though. much in, mm-hmm. in that time. I actually read more of it later on. My store didn't carry it, and I didn't know about it until later on. Um, God, I'm trying to, I don't know. I think there was some good Hulk stuff in the 90s. Yeah, Peter David. Peter David's yeah, his, Hulk his was good. I, I don't know. I'm sure there was good stuff. Yeah. Well, like Who I said, cares? It's, it's hard for me There's to really good stuff you know, now, so stuff. just read comics. Uh, we've got um, one more from Adam. <clears throat> Adam says, Hi, I am new to comic collecting. I have always had an interest in Marvel characters and DC characters. I wonder if you could give me some advice and tips on collecting. Sure, Adam. Don't collect. Just buy what you want to read. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Don't collect. Buy Collecting's read. a waste of time. Read. read comics. Don't collect them. Yeah. It's but if you want some advice on what to read, go talk to your local comic book shop because there's so much stuff. It all depends on what you like. There's mm-hmm. a, there, I can't imagine anybody walking to a comic shop and not being able to find something good that they would enjoy, that they their personal taste would allow them to enjoy. Take the... Stephanie Mangold challenge. Go, there you go. go look at that and see the five books that Sal suggested. Yeah, for you Stephanie can't go wrong and, with any and, of those. And start there. Pick they up. are all good. Jonah Hex. Yeah, John, yeah. There you pick go. Up pick Jonah up Hex. Jonah Hex. That's good. Uh, I don't know. What do you like? Answer me. <laughs> Why won't you answer? <laughs> like the Black Bolt interview all over again. <laughs> yeah. Yelling yeah. at someone. Yeah, for no it's uh, what our episode eighteen uh, comic books one hundred and one with uh, Chris Marshall. Right. I think that was episode eighteen. I don't know. Like that. So long. Ago. I thought it was episode twenty one. <laughs> so, no, like twenty one was. Uh, oh that was Matt. We're Rack- such self obsessed assholes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what episode uh, was this one on? Yeah, but that that was that was uh, an episode that we really covered a lot of that stuff, uh, which uh, was all collected. Uh, editions, editions, which makes it really go easy listen to, to Chris uh, Chris Marshall Chris yeah. Marshall's collected comic book library mm-hmm. podcast. He'll collected give you comics enough, library. He'll give you more to read than you could shake a dead rat at. I don't know any dead rat. Although if you're gonna collect comics, collect old comics because they're kind of cool to have and they're really expensive, so you won't probably be able to collect many. But Quarter bins. I don't know. <laughs> Quarter, yeah, look at that. Go to quarter bins. You can oh. find all kinds of old yeah. shit. Just have fun. Just email and, Tom. And, He'll and, send you and a read what you like. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, old I, garbage. I wrote uh, I wrote down here. I wanted to uh, send out a huge thank you to Chris Omni. I got not only my commission in the mail. I'm gonna grab it here. Oh. You got a uh, Chris's. He, he Chris's sent, he sent like a care package. Yeah, he sends you this package of, of the of the of the commission, which was beautiful. But then he sends you like a little envelope inside with a note and then another sketch. And then he sends you a card with a sketch on it. Then he sends you this other... Th- it's like the guy's obsessive-compulsive. He can't see a piece of white paper and not yeah. draw on it. Yeah. He's got, you know... Force, He's insane. Yeah, he sent us a bunch of the stuff that he did. Femforce that he did and... Some promo yeah. cards. Uh, the woman punching camp. Hitler. <laughs> yeah, baby. Take that, anti-Semite. <laughs> WizKids. <laughs> But yeah, he he sends he sends this you know basically postcard that you know says hey thanks for the commission and and writes a nice note on it and and there are little doodles all around oh, it and then flip, flip that over Tom 
he does this. No, flip it over. And he does this amazing um, head um, sketch of Paul Crocker from Queen and Country. And uh, you, yeah. get your, you get your money's worth with a with a Chris Sami. That's for sure. I, no question. What what a hell! <clears> Where's <throat> this Bradbury for us never to mention his original his first published work again and his nickname? Is, the, is, the, is there a copy of Big Bang Comics number ten from Chris Skippy Somni? No, 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 he didn't. Didn't keep any of those. I think Chris is a phenomenally talented artist yeah. and, and a heck of a nice and kid. just a nice guy. Kid, I call him a kid, but he's not a kid. Yeah, he's, he's, nice got, a, he's got this great Capote yeah. yeah, and like a uh, yeah, scarf on there. So, he's awesome. So Chris, thank you so much. I love my commission. And anybody out there uh, that is interested in getting commission art, go to go to chrissomne.com. C h r i s s a m n e e dot com. And it's and Somni like Omni. Somni like Omni. I'm not joking. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, that's that's a wrap. That's another episode. Uh, it's 49. Yeah. I can't believe we've been doing this for oh, that long. I know. My God. Oh, well. Episode 50. Um, would, would like to let uh, everyone know. to what? You're still it here? this long. Oh. Uh, the beginning of the episode was about the end of it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, Chris, you've been replaced. By With a robot. A, a Japanese robot. A Japanese robot. robot. Hello, I am Chris. Oh, I just like to get out of here. I like Greg Rucka. I know. I like Greg Rucka. <laughs> My queen in country. That's, you know, if you were going to replace me, that would be that would be the way to do it. <clears throat> Interesting uh, that you mentioned books. Have you read Queen in Country? <laughs> by the way. By the way. Have you ever read Queen in Country? <laughs> We are now proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of some of the best comic book podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great podcasts at <laughs> comicspodcast.com. Edit the program it to nod its head when you're talking to it, but then completely ignore <laughs> anything you say. I want to ignore Thank it, you again plans. to the forum this week. You guys were great. Uh, everyone who posted questions for uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, we really appreciate it. Uh, just so everyone is aware, we post next week's a topic on Tuesdays at our forum at aroundcomics.com. So if you want to get a leg up on what we're going to talk about or give us some input on the forum, that is how you do it. Uh, Thank you for your questions. <laughs> <laughs> We Remember are the proud sponsor LCS Challenge, Comic Podcast Alley, <laughs> iTunes Music Review. I'm proud friends of Greg Decker. Thank <laughs> you to tomorrow's right reviews. <laughs> I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today, or at least Jimmy Palmiotti. And uh, we'll be you. everywhere. Thank in you, Jimmy, <laughs> for talking to us. Everyone have a fantastic have you, week. Jimmy, we'll be back again next Monday with another full-length episode. Please, if you're in the Chicago area, come on out to Dark Tower on Saturday, October 14th from 2 to 5 for our Chicago Minicom. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in... And around. And around comics. comics. Replacement robots. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. 
Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Music.podshow.com Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week, where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same. Bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics. <laughs>